What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 184 of the Tasty Cast, our weekly podcast where we talk all things gaming. On this episode of the Tasty Cast, we talk about what we've been playing. We keep it kind of short, though, compared to normal because we got a lot of things to talk about, including Counter Strike 2. We talk about all the details. We watch all the videos. We go over all of the new features, including the new sub tick system, how they're going to be bringing maps over to Counter Strike 2, and of course, the new smoke system, which has got me pretty excited about the future of smoke in games. Speaking of the future of games, Gaming, we watched the State of Unreal presentation in its entirety. It's a big one, so if there's a specific topic you're looking for in this episode, make sure to check out the chapters. And we go over all of the things they talk about, including metahumans, facial mocapping through your phone, which is really crazy, the insane graphics, and the ability to make maps in Unreal Engine. Really crazy stuff. And then the future of Fortnite and how it's going to pave the way, in my opinion, to an actual metaverse that people are going to want to use. And of course, we read your guys' comments. So make sure to like this video if you enjoy it. Make sure to subscribe if you're brand new. Make sure to comment. All this stuff helps us out a lot. I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy this episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 184 of the Tasty Cast. My name is Seth, and joining me today is Chevy. Chevy, hopefully you're doing well. I'm doing pretty good myself. I have a question to ask you before we jump into what we've been playing. So you play mobile games a lot more than I do um, in every single way, on phones, portably, whatever. Um, I recently, and I'll be talking about it when we talk about games we've been playing, uh, I've been playing a couple mobile games on my phone lately, which is very weird. So I wanted to ask you, what kind of mobile games do you typically find yourself playing, and which ones are you currently playing? Um, I mean, I generally play uh, RPG gotcha games. Okay. Um, For anybody who doesn't know, what is that? Well, a role-playing game. Sure. Um, I hope they know <laughs> what that is if they're watching this. I mean, gotcha is essentially, for lack of a better way to put it, gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, you know, they'll do... Uh, characters or weapons or sometimes a combo of both. There are other types, but those are the most common. Um, you're often given enough like free currency to be able to you know play the game and not have to pay, but it is a slower process. Um, or you can you know, and then occasionally you get like premium currency from time to time, and you can you know save up and do like big pulls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the goal is to make money since it's a free to play game. And so sure. they entice you um, typically with, um, you know, really high quality art or, you know, crazy stats if we're talking about weapons and stuff like that. So um, a good example of like a weapon would be like final fantasy Omnia, opera Omnia, um, which uh, I know a lot of people who play, I can't get into it, but um, it is a very popular one, but you get all the characters like they're they're mm. available to you, but um, you get equipment through the gotcha system to make them stronger. So okay, um, versus like something like uh, I don't know, like a fate grand order would be a, a popular one. Uh, you roll for characters. So mm. um, as far as what I'm currently playing, uh, I am overdoing it these days. I'm playing uh, Counterside, which is a um, defense, tower defense, not tower defense. Uh, how do I word this? You have a ship on one side, 
there is an enemy or a ship on the other side, and then the units walk at each other until you can get to their base and destroy it. Type of I game. played a Flash game a long time ago. It's kind of similar to that. Yeah. Um, and you could have a group of eight people with a ship. Of, so you the, the base part is also part of um, the... I don't think it's gotcha in this. It's it's crafting system for that part. And then mm-hmm. uh, the commander of the their uh, they get a, an ability they can use. You know, if you meet certain conditions, but they're not actually on the field. They are a gotcha system. Um, it's okay. I'm not in love with it. Um, I do I do think it has a lot of good ideas. But they recently did a revamp on it and. Um, I don't know if I like it. So I've been having a hard, I, I'm trying to decide if I want to drop it or not right now. Um, I've been playing blue archive for probably like two years now. Um, Damn. that is a four V four. So, well, four V environment, or if you're doing PVP four V four game, um, six, I guess, technically, sorry, four on the field two support characters in the back. Um, that was pretty good. Uh, if you, if you don't mind, uh, you know, the kind of like the chibi art style when they're on the field, but, the the character models are portrayed with like high quality art outside of that. Um, and then the other one is a bit on the degenerate side, but is, uh, uh, Nikkei goddess of victory. Uh, that is a live 2d. If you're not familiar with live 2d, it's basically a 2d image that has a lot of animation to it. Okay. Um, and that is a shooter. Um, like the cinematics people do? Where it's like drawings that are like moving? Yes, except for it's just the character models okay. move um, according to you know whatever live 2D rigging they've had done. It's also okay. the same way VTubers work. So. Okay, um, interesting. I'm learning all sorts of shit. Yeah. Uh, that one is a shooter and has multiple classes like a you know, rocket launcher type of character, heavy machine gun, normal assault rifle, submachine gun. Uh, and I, if I didn't say it already, sniper rifle. And then there's good. tanks, support, and DPS units. And the fights do get very hard. There's also iframe dodging and stuff in the game. It's pretty uh, in-depth. Uh, the glaring obvious part, though, is all the f- characters are female and all of them... Uh, are not safe for work, I would say. Dang, so. ooh la la. <laughs> but them games. It is a lot of fun, and uh, the the actual like end game system to it is a grind, but um, it's not boring, and you can't like no life it. You have three tries a day to try to get a piece of gear. So it's like Dragon's Crown. Mm. It's one of those games I feel ashamed to play, but uh, it's it's fun. So I, it doesn't matter. I've actually used that as an example when I was explaining the game to other people. I was like, it is definitely like a game that is selling an appearance, mm-hmm. uh, but it is actually fun to play. So it's kind of a weird one. So because it's it's blatantly shame, shameless about it. So yeah, that's fine. So. People want to play that, they can play that. Yeah, and then the, the other thing too, I would like to say, it's Counterside and uh, Nikkei both have like proper like PC versions so Hmm. you can play it on the go or at home, which I like a lot. I appreciate that. I uh, was playing for a little bit, uh, cart rider racer, Mm. whatever the hell it's called. It's on, uh, it's on PC and on mobile and it shared the account. So like I played anywhere, but I'm also not like a huge cart racer fan. So like 
I didn't stick with it, but it's kind of neat to be able to continue my progress on PC and then do it on my phone. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, well, the reason I asked um, and learned a lot from that uh, is because I've been playing a couple mobile games lately, and so I'll start talking about the games I've been playing lately. But uh, one, as everybody knows, who's been following you know lately, is I've been playing uh, Vampire Survivors mm. on mobile, um, which is a blast and a lot of fun. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say there with my playing of it outside of that it's like a full ass game and it's not the usual experience i get with mobile games this game is like already kind of proven i've played on steam i love it there um and so playing it on my phone it's like the whole thing um and the dude who makes that game obviously is not like he's making money off of it but like he's not like driven by that given that he gave the game out for free there's ads if you want to watch them you get double xp and double money or um tokens or whatever but Outside of that, there's no uh, incentive. But uh, I think that's one of the reasons I can play it because the mobile game that I downloaded recently that I was going to talk about real quick, and I don't typically talk about mobile games, but I feel like it's kind of relevant, is uh, Mighty Doom. Have you tried that yet? Mm-hmm. It's, it's Doom. It's made by um, uh, id and, uh, and, and well, probably not made by id, but, you know, it's licensed. Uh, I say it's more than likely made uh, somewhere in the East. So Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, I've been playing that a little bit because... Um, my phone gave me a notification randomly. It's like my doom's out. I'm like, okay, cool, but I guess I'll check it out. So it worked. Um, it's, it's an auto shooter. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. You start, uh, in a like room and you have your character and you just move them and they just start shooting at any enemy nearby. And every time you get enough, um, whatever the currency in the game is, you're able to upgrade your gun and you can get like a, a three or triple shot, um, a shot that shoots left, right and forward or, get both of them eventually so you're shooting everywhere you can get ricochet all sorts of stuff missiles um and then as you play the game you unlock um guns like a gauss rifle rocket launcher okay. and these are a button on the left side you can press every once in a while it's got a cool down it's like shmup like then uh like what bullet hells yeah um it is kind of like a bullet hell but it's also uh very similar to um how vampire survivors works mm-hmm. it doesn't have like the constant hordes coming at you because you go from room to room to room and then there's dudes in between certain rooms that will give you just a reward uh there's bosses that you fight and when you beat the bosses um there's a guy who will give you a buff and debuff at the same time you can choose to use it or not um and so there's a lot of cool systems there that i think are, are, are pretty neat and uh yeah, i've been playing a little bit but my my big problem with it is I've been so spoiled with Vampire Survivors on mobile that when this game started offering me all these like mobile free to play things, this is the thing that always turns me off from playing like a game on my phone. So every run takes five energy and you have 25. I assume refreshes daily. So that means you can probably do like five runs. I don't play too many games to use energy systems anymore. Well, that's good because I fucking hate that yeah. shit. And so I'm playing this and it's like, this takes five energy. You have 15 energy left. And not that I'm going to be sitting there playing it all day. I got, does. I got shit to do. But uh, I hate the idea that, like, I'm sure you can buy energy um, in the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But otherwise, I don't know what the point of that system would be. Um, there's also constantly things trying to get you to go into the store to look at things like here's a free thing or watch an ad yeah, they all do that. and or and then like <laughs> right below it's just like oh but you can spend four dollars you spend ten dollars you can blah blah and i know they got to make money but the design is just shameless and feels it's got that mobile feel to it that i hate so kind of the whole reason i'm bringing it up is 
I thought it was interesting that some of this game I actually think is kind of neat. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that you do, you get essentially loot boxes, uh, whether you get those for doing dailies or you're playing the game and you just like get far enough and you hit a certain accolade, it gives you boxes. And when you open them up, you get like chest armor, uh, gloves, helmet, um, like I said, a gauss rifle, different things. You can all upgrade or you can upgrade all these things. Um, but there's so many little things all over the place that are trying to incentivize you to spend money. And there's so many menus. I don't know why people can't make a mobile interface that is up to par with like any modern game. They all have like constant menus. You have to open this, open that to get into your armor. You have to like go into your, your slayers, then go into your info bar. And from your info bar, then you start like adjusting things. I'm like, why did it take like three? Like, why isn't there just like a strip just inventory screen? Boom. There's all, there's all the shit. Um, I was going to say the, the three I mentioned earlier, all are, are pretty menu heavy. Um, I don't find it to be too encumbering because I, the menus all make sense. I, yeah. I would say What's well, a familiar counter side played enough. Re, this is, this is why I said earlier, like the counter side redid it. And I'm like, kind of like, eh, mm. I don't know, it's, it's hard to find shit now. And I don't, I don't like it hmm. versus like, um, and maybe just cause I've played blue archive for so long. I don't have a problem finding stuff in that game. And then, uh, in, in Nikkei, oh, there's just five buttons at the bottom. So hmm. it's kind of easy to find what you're looking for. Yeah, it's just something I notice like a lot anytime I do try to dip my toes into the mobile market is uh, there's just a lot of shared design choices that feel cheap, mm. feel predatory, and they are. Um, I feel like Usually, they don't yeah. really respect my time. They feel like they're just blatantly just trying to find a way to get some money out of me constantly. And that's a lot of games, but it feels like the whole design is based around that aspect, which kind of sucks. Cause every once in a while I'll find a game on phone that is pretty neat. And I'm like, man, and I've said this before, if I like your game enough, I'll want to support you. So all you gotta do is make mm -hmm. a good game, but there's also plenty of people out there, probably a lot of kids uh, who are okay with you going like, ah, it's five bucks here, five bucks there, whatever. Or, you know, kid getting hold of, their parents credit card or just through the app store charging, charging it to the their, yeah exactly yeah. um and so that's probably a lot of uh easy ways to get some quick money but yeah, that's um, also a good reason for you to have parental controls on your devices 100 percent um but i thought it was kind of fascinating with this one because uh i was like this is like you know a big title it's doom so it's got to have some some uh sense of um it's got to be respectable in some way if it's mm -hmm. if it's taking on the name of Doom. Um, and in some ways it is, but in other ways, I'm like, eh, there it is. There's the mobile thing I don't like. So I uh, thought it'd just be interesting to talk about that a little bit because, um, you know, I do every once in a while try out mobile games just to see what they're like. But it's hard for me to stick with them. Um, except for Vampire Survivors. I just got to say again, like that's like my go to right now. If I got some time to kill, if I'm like on the go doing something, I just like bust that out and play it like so i've done it at the gym before we weren't like i'm sitting there just biking and i'll just like pull off vampire survivors and just play like a piece of shit um, i mean obviously you found one that works for you at that point yeah. then even though it's not technically a mobile game it was adapted for mobile but and i think they did it really well sure. the way they did it so um just kind of uh makes me hope there's uh you know other ones out there but well specifically since you use an android device there's a lot of options out there yeah um, unfortunately uh they're they're less um restrictive on that though so there's going to be a lot of stuff to sift through to find good stuff oh yeah um i typically don't 
download like weird random ones though i'll normally go off of ones that i'm hearing about or when i go into their you know um i usually look up the dev so the play store whatever the hell it's called um the ones that are like highly rated and stuff mm-hmm. like that um and i'll read some reviews but yeah i usually just look up the dev see if it's like you know someone has been doing it you know for a while or whatever but um Sometimes the dev's hard to look, to find, and then I'm like, I don't know if I want to download this. So yeah, it's funny too because like obviously there's just iPhones, and they all it's gonna work no matter what, unless it's an old iPhone. But like with uh, Android, there's so many Androids out there that when you go into the reviews of any uh, game, there's so many different experiences people are having. Mm-hmm. People are like, I can't believe this game crashes nonstop, or oh, this game doesn't work on my phone. Every time I download a game like that and check it out, it always works perfectly on my phone so I typically have like a new device though it's the same yeah. like right now and i like have a top tier a, new, a new iphone and so like i don't really have any issues um but yeah if you go into reviews you'll have you know oh i'm trying to run this on my you know my iphone you know 10 or you know my you know 2018 samsung phone or whatever yeah. and it's just it's not working well, the game's newer and probably doesn't meet your system specs Kinda anymore so, for that, yeah. yeah so yeah. plus you know uh, especially with Android, um, so many different versions um, of the operating system. You know, whatever candy name they're using at the time. Yeah, I don't even follow but, it anymore. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tricky. Um, but I mean, the same problem with PC. Like everyone has different PCs too. So yeah, that's what it kind of reminds me of. Because um, I'll I'll talk to people who are playing like the same game as me on PC, and they're like, the game doesn't work. I'm like, for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just doesn't work. I'm like, for you, for like sure. some for some other people it's working for. So exactly. Uh, that's kind of the the beauty of, you know, consoles is like it, it either works for th- everyone. Or it does one system spec. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so kind of moving on from that, though, okay. uh, real quick, uh, when it comes to the PlayStation Plus games and game of the month, which we'll be talking about this weekend. So ran, ran out of time quick. Uh, we did play Minecraft Dungeons. I have plenty to say on that. So stay tuned for that. We played Multiverses. I have plenty to say on that, so stay tuned for that. That is game of the month, though, so that will be coming later. Plus, Club will for sure be this weekend. Um, we didn't play Battlefield yet, so we need to do that. <laughs> We're running out of time. Um, I thought I'd play that earlier in the month, but this month kind of flew by, and I've been playing another FPS way more than you know, I probably would have played Battlefield. And then uh, we haven't played Code Vein, but we've played it a lot already, so hopefully we can put some time. Recently. Yeah, so hopefully we can put some time into that and... Uh, continue our ongoing review of code vein for the channel because that's a thing so uh for anyone who's curious about where we're at on those games that's where we're at not speaking for you but i think we're on the same page there um let's see uh games i'm not gonna talk a whole lot about i've been playing vr games uh like i i talked about in the last tasty cast uh if you're curious about what games i've been playing lately i've been playing after the fall which is uh made by the same people make arizona sunshine it's a uh, four-player cooperative zombie horde shooter type game uh it's pretty neat it's got a budget uh the shooting is um um satisfying feels good i think it's interesting too as it has a hub that when i when i joined the hub after doing the tutorial there's just people running all over the place so it's definitely got people playing and like because it's just tracking like their hand controllers and their headsets the bodies are running normal but like people's hands are like this and their chests are like like this while running around and it's just really ridiculous i was just walking up to people and just doing this in their face and stuff and they're just like look at me and then run off like looking crazy well it's like uh uh 
when we when I played No Man's Sky with you um, in VR, your hands are usually in like like your character looks yeah, like they're was, walking like I'm this. I'm sitting in a in a chair. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah you were the same. You're, yeah. you're like a little short guy, but it looked like you had little wow. T Rex hands. That makes it worse, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of neat too. Before you go on missions, I, I just like that it's a VR game that makes getting with people, random people, and doing missions super easy. Because that's kind of the weird thing about VR early on was like you had to find people who had VR and then you had to connect with them. And in this, it's just like if you're playing this game, you're just in the hub. There's everybody else. Go play. Um, but it's kind of neat too because it's a social hub because there's like arcade games that you can sit there and play too while you're waiting. So that's kind of neat. Um, I was sitting there just like looking at an arcade machine just playing and i'm like this is weird that i'm just like i have a headset on and in in this world i'm just playing an arcade game uh yeah so that's pretty neat i played bone lab which uh is really neat um pretty much just went through the tutorial and played a little bit after that but uh it's uh it's pretty cool it's it's uh what you'd expect from um Okay, what was the game they made before? Or uh, Boneworks, I think, was their original game. It's uh, it's similar to that, but but better. But um, you kind of start off, you're like walking through like a medieval place, and you find out you're in a lab, and you go from using like um, uh, ball and chain, dagger, sword stuff, fighting skeletons to like getting pistols and like Uzis, and you're fighting like these um, dudes in suits and uh, monsters. But uh, it's pretty cool. The I had this happen twice now, so maybe I need to recalibrate something or it's just on the game's end. Uh, I couldn't pick up a pistol in Bone Lab, so that was really annoying. It's like, here's the pistol, and it's just on the floor, and I was sitting there just constantly trying to grab it, and I couldn't grab it. I'm like, well, that sucks. Um, but the SMG worked, so um, I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, that game's really neat. I need to play that more. Um, there's something about that too. Oh, uh, it has these collectibles. They're like pokeballs all over the map or all over the game, and they're in you know places you got to really look for. But when you find them, you like twist them and open them, and they um, they add a new item to the game. So it it kind of has like um, progression in a way. Like there's unlocks, which I, I really appreciate. Because a lot of VR games uh, were just trying to make the experiences, but they weren't adding things to keep you playing them outside of just the experience. So I appreciate some, um, something to work towards in, in a VR game. Uh, I played into the radius, which is like a stalker style VR game. Um, I was telling you about it a little bit, but essentially you go on these missions on an open map, you walk around, you scavenge a lot. Um, one thing I kind of appreciate about it is, um, I also kind of hate it, but love it is when you, uh, have like a magazine in your gun and you shoot every round. Uh, a lot of games just want you to empty empty it out and put a new one in. And in this, you have to refill those with bullets, individual bullets. So you want to collect those and keep those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like when you're walking around scavenging, every once in a while I find like two bullets. I'm like, oh, and I like grab those and put them in my backpack and uh, later have to load those into there. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. But uh it's neat playing a VR game where you explore and scavenge. There is monsters that come after you, but they're like just kind of walk at you slowly. And they're kind of the least interesting part of the game. But outside of that, I thought it was pretty neat. I mean, I love Stalker, so it's uh, it's it's pretty similar to that. Um, yeah, when you brought that up, uh, specifically like the survival aspect of it, my mm-hmm. brain, I, you know, obviously I told you that this already, but uh, kind of went to... Um, Oh God, what's that? 
Oh, Project Zomboid. Um, something like that, yeah. but from a VR perspective, I think would be a blast. That would be awesome. Because um, I, I, I don't know, I like the idea of like exploring, um, you know, looking for supplies and, and, and stuff like that while having to like manage inventory in a more like real, real, quote unquote, realistic um, experience versus like, you know, you look at a UI most time when you play a game versus like in VR, you could literally have a backpack. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of games, you have to store things on your belt mm-hmm. or you just put them behind your back and it's gone or whatever, or you pull out a backpack, but then you just kind of like insert the things and they lock onto right, it. Right, right. The thing that's neat about this is it's it's kind of sloppy looking, but I actually kind of like it. When you pull your backpack out, there's just an opening where your backpack's like been opened and anything you put in there just stays exactly where you left it. So I found myself like taking like magazines and putting them in the back bottom left corner. Mm-hmm. And then I put like, you know, food up in the top left and I was like organizing it. So I knew where everything was at. And it was kind of a neat thing to throw that on my back and keep walking and then pull it back out. And it's, everything's exactly where it was. Yeah. So there's like a sense of organization and in a game where you're like picking up every single bullet, you kind of need that. Mm-hmm. Not just like chuck it in and it all just gets, you know, mixed up. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, and yeah, Project Zomboid would be really cool in VR. Obviously, the perspective makes that challenging, but something similar to that I think would be very cool. Yeah, the, the, the concept, not necessarily the gameplay style, Yeah, uh, I think would be fun. Um, so having, you know, hordes of zombies uh, like that coming at you in VR would probably be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So just play um, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners and you'll get a good idea of what that's like. Yeah, I want the survival game part more than I want the zombies. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, then the last VR game I played, because I was just kind of going through all the ones I bought recently, was uh, Legendary Tales, which I did not get past the tutorial um, because I ran into an issue. But uh, that is a up to four player cooperative uh, dungeon crawling game, which is from so- what I've played so far, really neat. Um you essentially, you know, sword and board or like use a use a, like a bow and arrow or like, you know, two handed sword, stuff like that. Um, there's a couple instances in the tutorial where I had to fight a skeleton and you actually like it was teaching you like I thought I just had to like put my sword out and block. But it's like you got to like contact their sword. So like he was swinging out, like swing at his sword and it would like deflect it back and he'd backstep and I'd run up and just stab him. I was like, that's pretty, pretty neat. Um, even the bow and arrow felt like really good. Uh, shooting it although uh, you know my headset's like this so like doing this was like oh. getting kind of weird so yeah. i was holding the bow sideways and shooting it and that was a lot easier for me um and then it has magic which i think is interesting uh where you equip something in your right hand your left hand and you're able to like charge a fireball and throw it or uh and then you can also take both spells and you can combine them to create a new spell which the one in the tutorial is magic yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of like that. Um, in the tutorial, though, it teaches you how to make a fire axe. And so you pull a fire axe out and you have that now. Um, so a lot of really cool stuff going on there. I'd love to play a co-op, but I was, uh, I was, I think this is the second thing that I had an issue with in VR. Um, during the tutorial, it's like, oh, pick up the sword, na- or the, the sword and shield and uh, is trying to teach me how to like use mana potions. And like I was uh, sitting there, I, I couldn't grab them. I was sitting there like reaching at him and like the shield would like pick up every time. And as a system too, where if you hold the grip, things will just fly to your hand too. So I tried everything and it just wasn't happening. I was like, Oh my God. So I'll come back to it. The tutorial is actually pretty long. I was playing it for a while cause it, there's a lot of systems. There's also like leveling and stuff too. And, um, things to equip like, um, 
like obviously weapons, armor, stuff like that. Mm. So it seems like it has quite a bit of like depth to it, which I appreciate. But um, next time I might just skip the tutorial. But with the amount of systems that are involved with the game, I feel like I need to complete it. But yeah. uh, I got a little little flavor, a little taste of that. And uh, it's pretty neat. So that's Legendary Tales. And I need to play more of that. And uh, that game in co-op, I think, would be really cool. Um, other games I've been playing. Um, we're going to be talking about this episode. But I'm sure you guys already know, Counter-Strike 2 has been announced. So I downloaded CSGO. And uh, holy shit, am I rusty at that game. I was getting wrecked in that game. Um, because, and we'll talk about it. But like uh, CSGO is just going to turn into Counter-Strike 2 for free. And uh, I was like, well, maybe I should you know practice up or whatever. And holy shit that game's been out for way too long people have been playing it for way too long and i have not been playing it in a while um but uh i still like it i forgot that i liked counter-strike i used to love counter-strike when i was younger and uh just fell out of it so yeah try that out just in anticipation for this summer but uh i might just wait i, I really just- don't like this uh taking a game that exists and and calling it another game when updating it luckily with this okay so we'll talk about this later i guess but i guess we talk about right now uh overwatch was was barely anything other than they added like um they added things they would have added to overwatch anyway but they updated the um graphics i think they added like i don't know if it's ray tracer or not new lighting something like that and a lot of people even complained about the new lighting thinking that it just looked red as opposed to what it used to look like um so the upgrade was like not much of an upgrade whereas like this is actually jumping to source two from source so it is quite a big upgrade um the only thing that's carrying over is um and it makes sense because there's monetary value to it uh any skins or something like that the unlocked but otherwise um we'll we'll get into it but they there's quite a bit they are making a lot of things from the ground up here um it's it's still not a, a additional game though it's yeah an update yeah well yeah they're in a tricky (laughs) i don't like it either but uh they're in a tricky place where um they've supported a game for so long they don't want to get rid of uh i wouldn't say that community everybody makes like the community will dissipate if they were to drop a new game i'm like i've been gaming since you know nintendo fucking that's never been the case you just make sequels people will pick that one up but um when you've been supporting a game for so long that there's like things you're unlocking and accruing and collecting. Um, I think it, it just makes more sense for them monetarily to carry that over, but also uh, keep people happy in doing that. But I don't like it either because it feels less like a true sequel, but I think we're, we're going to see that more and more with these games as a service style shooters. Well, and, and my issue isn't with the action of them doing that. My issue is with the it was same with Overwatch, the naming, uh, the naming part is the part of the, bothers yeah. me because you're calling it a sequel but it's an update like just call it a fucking update <laughs> like well it's interesting because like counter-strike obviously has its history and uh, you know there's been counter-strike zero uh counter-strike uh, global offensive csgo mm-hmm. they haven't named it counter-strike 2 and they're calling this one counter-strike 2 and i think they're doing that because this is on source 2 so Probably. so they're hopping over but to give it that that uh that too means something so and they are changing some things up like what we'll see in the video the smoke effects the lighting the reflections mm. stuff like that but 
Counter-Strike's always kept a lot of things since the, the original mod as well, like certain maps and stuff. So there is an expectation. So I feel like, I don't want to be a hypocrite, but I feel like this game does, uh, can play around with that a little bit more than Overwatch did. Overwatch literally did just feel like a slight update, whereas like this feels like they are fully upgrading certain things and 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 not other things on purpose. But we'll talk about it. But I get what you're saying because I'm not a fan of this either. Every time I bring up that I want sequels, I'll get people who are like part of these communities and like why. I'm like the same reason we've always had sequels in games because I want new engines. I want new fucking features that can't be implemented in this. I want new maps. I want, I want to feel fresh and like want to play a different game. Like, cause I like this game. Uh, this is the same as one. It's like new such consoles. a weird generation to like be living in where people don't understand the concept of like wanting a sequel to a game. Well, it's the same as like, you know, if a new console comes out and people are like, uh, what do I need a new one for? you know, type of thing. And it's like, well, cause it's newer and does, you know, has more oomph to it. Like do you, do you just want everything to look the same for the rest of your life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, well, it reminds me of, it reminds me of back in the 360 era when uh game journalists kept proposing this, this idea of like, do, are these the best graphics will ever be? Do we actually need better graphics than this? And I'm like, what are you fucking, what are you talking about? Yeah. What are you wasting energy even proposing the stupid idea? What do you mean? Is this the best graphics will ever be? That's, that's insane. And then proposing that we shouldn't pursue better graphics. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Why would you even waste energy talking about that? So yeah, when people are like, oh, why do you need why do you need a sequel? Well, to make the game better than it is now. Yeah. That's what sequels should do. And if they don't, that's just a failure. But like sure. yeah. um you you're you reach the limitations of an engine at a certain point and the graphics become dated. I know some people are like, well, it doesn't matter as long as the game's still good. Yeah, but every feature you like in this game you're currently playing, that was all inspired by either a game before that or other games that weren't even in the series before it. So we get better and better games, hopefully, uh, by the games that came before it. That's just, it's like such a simple uh, idea to me that that eludes a lot of people for some reason when I talk about this stuff. So anyway, um, we'll talk about that. When we get to when we get to that topic, but I've been playing CS:GO, and uh, it's old looking. It looks really old. So you know, Counter Strike Two, I think is very welcome. Even though a lot of people were telling me we don't need it, but I'm sure as fuck they'll be playing it. Uh, okay, so Lumencraft. I played Lumencraft. That is a top-down mining game. Apparently, four-player co-op. I haven't played it multiplayer yet. Uh, in which you're a guy with a drill, um, and uh, you roam around in either random maps or you can play through a campaign um, where you are mining you craft weapons and defenses and then you defend um, your base against uh, random um, mobs of of enemies Uh, i haven't played this a whole lot but i played it a little bit and uh, it's pretty neat i'm typically not into like top down games a whole lot except for like you know diablo style games for anybody wondering too, I didn't play the Diablo Four beta, but I do plan on trying it out this weekend. Um, but uh, but yeah, not those kind of top-down games, but like you know these like kind of like Flash style top-down games. Um, I always think they're kind of neat, but um, they're not. They never hold my interest. But this is actually kind of cool. Um, I don't know if there's any like long-term progression or if it's all like based off of this round or whatever. But um, I don't I don't know if it's just like. 
I don't know if I like mining. I don't know if I, I like survival games. You have to collect things, but um, it's super satisfying to be like digging tunnels, finding resources, and then, you know, building up certain things. So the game has a good uh, gameplay loop to it. Um, I need to play more though before I can have a hard opinion on it. I would like to play a multiplayer, but um, it's pretty neat so far. Um, I got killed by lava, so that kind of gave me Minecraft PTSD. But um, yeah, I like I cracked open this rock and this thing behind it. I didn't recognize. I thought it was just like this is how stupid I am when it comes to a new game. I thought this orange thing was like gold. I thought it was like a gold rock behind it, and I cracked it open and this lava just poured out and murdered me. I was like, oh okay. That uh, that reminds me of of lava um, back when I used to play Minecraft. So, and let's finish this out with a big strong one. I've been playing mostly Hunt Showdown. Um, I might have mentioned it last Tasty Cast, uh, but I'm still playing Hunt Showdown. Um, I think I've put thirty or forty hours into the game in like the last week, week and a half. I don't know. I uh, over the weekend I spent like a whole day playing it. Um, I fucking love Hunt Showdown. I think it's legit one of the best first-person shooters uh, of the last 10 years, let alone ever. Um, and it's a blast. I have not felt uh, this compelled to play a competitive shooter in a long time. I'm like addicted to it, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, the community is bigger than it's ever been. So that's really neat to see. Um, a lot of people are playing it. I'm happy to say that a lot of the things that they've added since I've been gone, I was worried would break the game. I don't think it's bro- broken the game at all. I think it's uh, complements the game really well. A lot of cool new perks, a lot of cool new uh, uh, utility items and guns. Um, and uh yeah, there's just no game that offers this kind of tension and um, combat scenarios that this game offers. It just sucks because, like, I was trying to play with Josh, and like, he's just like, he's like trying to get into it, but like, he can't really get too into it because it's like maybe it's like a pacing thing or something for him. But I'm not gonna speak for him. But you know, he gave it a good like five hours of gameplay but eventually got to the point where he's like he's like man i'm just not good at these kind of games and i'm like what kind of games he's like extraction shooters i'm like you do find it marauders uh, which is also a lot of fun um but yeah maybe it's the the lever action guns and the single action guns that's not for him but my whole point is it's uh it's a lot of fun to play this game, but I have to play with randos because I don't know a whole lot of people who actually play this game. So that kind of sucks because I would love to get two other people to play with regularly with this or in this game. Um, but yeah, uh, I love the mix of uh, high skill shooting. Um, the unlocks I've prestiged a couple times now again since I started playing again. And yeah, the game's great. I am upset though. When I came back to the game, uh, it has a ranking system, MMR, and uh, I nothing crazy. But like when I came back, um, I had left off at MMR four. I was playing for a while, I was keeping it there, and then like I played one night when I was drinking a little bit, and <laughs> I dropped down to three. And then when me and Josh played, I kept like teeter tottering between MMR three and four constantly. And now when I've been playing recently, I'm like at three again. I'm like, fuck, I need to, I need to get my shit together and get back up to four. But um, I was listening to the devs talk about it and they were saying their favorite, uh, their favorite 
matchmaking is around MMR three. So which makes sense because like the higher you go, the crazier it's gonna get, the more intense it's gonna be. And I'm sure if you're of a certain skill level, if you drop down to like two or one or whatever, it's probably not gonna be that fun. You're probably gonna go get back up to three pretty quickly. Um well not everyone enjoys being sweaty in a game. So sure. Yeah. But I got uh I got no if you are like a high skill person and you just want to like just wreck people constantly and then you get uh into an area where you gotta fight other people of your level and you're complaining about it i don't know what to tell you because you know when you're uh when you're playing a a match where it doesn't feel fun because you have to be on top of your shit constantly that's how lower skilled people feel when you're fighting them so um yeah i guess uh play a little more chill or something i don't know so um but yeah hunt showdown uh is fantastic still and uh, I'm absolutely loving it. I don't even want to play anything else right now. Um, and then, yeah, real quick, I uh, plan on playing Resident Evil 4 Remake. I think it's out by the time yeah, this airs. Right yep. Yeah. So um, really excited to play that. I would be playing that right now, but we're filming. So that's cool. That's what I've been playing. All right. Well, uh, mobile games and, and plus games aside that were mentioned, uh, the only thing I've been playing uh, when I have time is No Man's Sky. Um, whether that's in VR or not, that depends on if I want to put the headset on or not the mood, the vibe dude. Um, well there, even though it is way easier than, uh, you know, it used to be for VR. Uh, it's still, you know, I still have to set up a little bit. So, um, yeah, so I've been playing that a lot. Uh, Chris and scream have also been playing it. Uh, though not necessarily together. Kind of. Um, uh, Rob's a big fan. Scream and, Scream and Chris are way beyond me at this point because they have the time to do so. so Fair. Um, so now I get to ask them a million questions when I don't know things, which is fine by me. Um, it has multiplayer, but this more of like a social thing. There are some things to do, but a lot of us are kind of like working on our own individual projects and stuff. Um, I have a, uh, what do they call that? a uh, capital ship or whatever um, that is basically a base uh, while you're in space and that allows you to have a squadron and fleets. The fleets are a bunch of freighters that you can send out on missions as basically like a, Hey, for one hour, go away and bring me stuff, you know, in an hour type of thing. Um, And then they level as they do that. Uh, the squadron will join you when you get into combat, they'll show up. Um, but if you fill that up, you can't, um, squad up with real people. So you have to kind of like, you know, if you're going to play with people, maybe don't fill up your squadron, but Mm -hmm. if you play solo, you can have four ships, you know, join you in combat that are NPCs. Mm -hmm. So kind of nice. That's cool. Um, I found a settlement on one of my planets. So now I am the mayor of a town and I have to deal with them complaining that someone is handling silk too rough. Uh, and then I have to mediate them as if I was their father. So, uh, <laughs> where did I didn't know the game had that? Uh, I didn't either. Uh, but you get to make decisions, including town squabbles, but also, um, projects will come up. Like I made a landing pad and I had to go find resources to build it for the town. Hmm. Um, and there's a quest line right now that I'm doing for that town as well. Cause a bunch of sentinels, um, that are programmed a little differently showed up and started attacking it. I had to defend the town. Um, pretty cool. Uh, I have gone to my first red star system, which had no 
life forms living in it, just sentinels everywhere that were pissed off at me no matter where I went. And I had contraband on me so they wouldn't stop attacking me. <laughs> uh, but those systems have more rare resources. And then I haven't seen one yet, but there are green and blue star systems as well, which are um, you know higher rarity items to sell and stuff like that too. Hmm. Um, let's see. I found a planet that uh, the description of it was frothy, which I thought was a strange word to describe a planet as. Gross. And I showed up, and I don't know if I'd call it frothy, but it was bubbly. There's bubbles everywhere, including the animals were living bubbles with liquid in them. So, That's some froth. Um, so I tamed one. Now it's my pet. And then what else have I done in the game? You could quite literally name that pet Bubbles Coon. You can't name them. Oh, it is a shame or just do it mentally. I just don't know how, if you know, tell me please. Um, I'm actually really surprised by that. Yeah, me too. Cause you name everything else in the game. Yeah. Everything seems weird. <laughs> um, I've, I think I might've said this last time, but in case it didn't, I got my first S class ship. Um, which is the highest rank, uh, to my knowledge. Uh, I've been outfitting it with as many S class mods as I can. And then, uh, kind of juggling the fact that you can only have so many of a type of mod installed before um, they just break. So um, it's a nice little stat juggling there. I bought a second ship that's an A rank. It's a fighter ship because uh, fighting in a boat kind of sucks. So I wanted to have something to like actually intentionally go fight in, um, but it has nothing yet. So I have to work on it. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, for a game as old as it is, it still has some weird bugs that uh, happen more often than they should. Uh, I, If I wasn't enjoying myself so much, I'd probably be frustrated. <laughs> but uh, I've gotten stuck in walls twice now. Mm. Uh, and I thought I was not going to get my character back. But fortunately, loading into single player and then loading back into multiplayer popped me out of the wall. So Because they don't have an unstuck oh, nice. command. So. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like they should in a game like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little freaked out. I was like, I have way too many hours at this point to be starting over. So Yeah, that would suck. I would never uh, play it again. Oh, I also I unlocked my land vehicle and a mech that I can pilot. So hmm. there is a lot in that game since I last played. Holy crap. So Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it kind of makes me think that not trying to give excuses for bugs, but a game that originally wasn't supposed to be what it is now, I expect bugs. Well, I, I try to be um understanding because the fact that you know it's a indie studio that got yeah. advertised as if it was a triple studio, a studio yeah. and then a game that was designed to be an exploration game has just done way more than that at this tried point to be, so. tried to become and then exceeded what people originally thought it was supposed to be yeah. i also love that when i go to the multiplayer hub there's people just running around i don't like that they can fill your inventory up with whatever they want though please I think I could shut it off, but please uh, make it like something I have to hit an accept button or something. They can fill your inventory. You can give people stuff, right? You just, as long as they're close to you, you can just give them stuff. And so I was um, trying to uh, genetically modify one of my pets. They, they lay eggs and you can then take that egg. You can put some genetic sequencing or whatever to try to make, you know, different type of pet. Um and as I was doing that, they filled me. They saw me there. I assume they were like, "Oh, I got these awesome pets. Just take these eggs." And they filled my inventory and my ship's inventory with eggs. And then I couldn't accept my egg back, and I lost it. And I was like, "Cool, I, I don't like that." <laughs> mm-hmm. So now 
I make sure, um, before I, I hit the accept button that, uh, I haven't been messed with at all. So, um, it only happened the one time and most time people are like, you know, and I assume they're just like, Hey, people are playing. This is great. You know, like, you know, keep playing, but they'll like drop off things that are worth like stupid amount of money in inventory, which, um, if you're new kind of sucks, but when you're even like remotely into the game, money's not hard to get anymore. So it's just like, Oh, thanks. I guess. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it and I'm constantly, unfortunately I'll be working on a project. I get distracted to start another project to get distracted. It, it reminds me of like when I played a lot of Minecraft, there's just always something to do. So, um, you just have to get past the beginning hump, which is the, what the game started as. And, um, like I almost never gather anything anymore because my, my gathering tool has so many mods on it that instead of me gathering a plant and getting, you know, 20, I get like 400 now. Mm. And so I'm just like, blap, 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 done. And then I go and do missions. So, um, put enough time into it. You have to put the time in. Yeah. But it, it gets, uh, the monotonous stuff becomes less and less. And then the amount of quests in your quest log become more and more and more. So, but yeah, I'm having fun with it. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, uh, as I played it, two people decided to pick it up and, and play it. Chris and scream. Uh, I didn't expect either of them to continue playing it and they both play it more than me. So <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. That's it. So I've been playing. That's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I got nothing else to say, I guess. So let us know in the comments, what games have you guys been playing? What games are you planning on playing? Um, are you playing uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake? And uh, if you're playing right now, are you liking it? And uh, did you play Diablo 4 Beta? Or are you planning on playing that this weekend? And uh, yeah, what games would you recommend us check out? Let us know everything you're thinking about in the comments below. All right, we got uh, two big topics to talk about in terms of um, videos to watch. And the first one, as we talked about earlier, is Counter-Strike 2, which was officially announced. And uh, loosely what I've gathered from it so far is they are upgrading CSGO into Counter-Strike 2. So if you do have stuff unlocked on CSGO, it will transfer over to Counter-Strike 2. But they are leveling up the world and all the oh, the videos called leveling up the world they're leveling up the experience of the game um and uh you know upgrading in a lot of ways so it will be um a substantial sub, substantial jump but um uh they are transferring things over so that's kind of interesting so anyway they've released three videos that are going to showcase um what they did with the levels what they did with uh, smoke effects which is really interesting and uh, something they call sub ping uh, system. I've actually watched these already, so we're watching these to really just have this conversation. Um, but yeah, uh, Counter-Strike 2, Chevy, how do you feel about Counter-Strike? How do you feel about Counter-Strike 2? You already kind of said what you thought of what they're doing with this, and uh, do you have any interest in this or something Valve's doing in general? Um, my knowledge Counter-Strike is that it is a skill-based shooter that's competitive, um, which very, none of those things matter to me. So, um, I'm very ignorant when it comes to counter strike. I also know, um, there is a separate service that runs alongside of it to do, uh, skins and stuff like that, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I saw people joking about that. They're going to start doing 
shoe skins now that you can see your feet in Counter-Strike too. So. Oh, probably. I'll say the con- I see the conversation often now about um, NFTs and how Counter-Strike essentially isn't doing NFTs but does like kind of a proto NFT thing where uh, they have the the Steam marketplace and you can sell all the things you unlock in in CS:GO and uh, somebody on Twitter the other day said they made like $300 off of stuff they had unlocked which I thought was kind of crazy but uh so yeah if they were doing shoes it makes sense because it only adds to that ecosystem. I think it's weird how there's just like a monetary almost business model to playing enough CSGO or Counter-Strike. It's kind of crazy. Yep, not a fan. Yeah. But yeah, it's not. I, I mean, I, th- I don't play it enough to know um, if if that's something I'd be interested I mean, it has in. It nothing to do with the game for me. I just don't yeah. think uh, uh, video games should be business. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I uh, my my Steam inventory is full of like so many things that I don't even pay attention to, and it's like you want to sell these. I'm like, maybe I could to get rid of them, but like I don't really care. Like, so yeah. it's not really a big thing for me. But for a lot of people, you know, they make I guess decent money just playing a video game you and selling a lot shit. Of people, you can make a lot of people. You can make a lot of money stealing people's mo accounts, selling those too. So yeah, let's just. I'll say this business is old as fucking time yeah um this is just a little bit different so So where i'm coming from with this though i kind of said earlier i uh i played um counter-strike way back in the day uh i loved counter-strike early on because one of the first like uh competitive like uh, arena-esque tactical games where like you know you shoot somebody a couple times and they die and it's all about team tactics and rescuing hostages and defusing bombs and stuff like that which is still one of my favorite types of game modes and most first person shooters nowadays um it's some kind of like you know um bomb um diffusal type game um so yeah i have a i have a history with counter strike but csgo i i think i only put like 20 hours into it when it came out so uh you know a decent amount but in terms of um and that was when it came out but like in terms of how long it's been out, i've barely played it at this point when i re-hopped into it uh i was looking at the ui and everything I'm like oh, a lot has changed but it would in this time it's been out forever at this point so um i've fallen out of it but i am interested in maybe hopping back into it and uh, i said in a recent TikTok that um if they did make a legitimate sequel or new game um i might hop back in because it'll be like starting from um the beginning again but they are not doing that they're doing the whole transfer thing but um there's enough big changes here that i think um I'm still going to check it out for sure because it does seem like they're modernizing the game in some ways while keeping it traditional as well, which we will find out in this video we're about to watch. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely interested, but I'm not I'm not super hyped. I'm hyped about the smoke. We'll watch that. Um, yeah. So, anything else you want to say on this? All right, let's watch this. This is Counter Strike Two leveling up the world in three, two, one, go. With over 20 years of history, maps are a fundamental pillar of Counter-Strike. And in Counter-Strike 2, maps are getting a new look. But don't worry, you can still bring along your countless hours honing strategies and exploiting every corner and crevice. We took three approaches to improving maps while retaining their rich legacy. First, there are touchstone maps. Classic maps with solid foundations that players can use to evaluate gameplay changes from CSGO to Counter-Strike 2. 
These have improvements to lighting and character read, but otherwise haven't been changed. Next, we have upgrades. These are maps that use new Source 2 lighting, including a physically-based rendering system that produces realistic materials, lighting, and reflections. And finally, overhauls. This is what I'm interested in. The oldest maps have been fully rebuilt from the ground up, leveraging all of the Source 2 tools and rendering features. These tools will be available for community map makers to make it easier to build, experiment, and iterate. With upgrades to lighting, player read, and materials in Counter-Strike 2, even the familiar will feel brand new. funny, I saw this originally and I was like, yeah, it looks pretty good, but not that great, but then I played CSGO, I'm like, that's a big upgrade. Yeah. Visually. Alright, so since these videos are all about specific features, let's talk about this real quick. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is what they're doing um, with the maps. So, Counter-Strike since the beginning has had a lot of the same maps and they've added new ones, but there's like just classic maps. And so I was wondering about this. If you're going to like upgrade them, how much of an upgrade are you going to do? Because there's a certain point where people start blaming your upgrade on why they're not playing as well. So I think it's really interesting that they're finding this middle ground of barely touching the, the legacy maps, doing upgrades to them. So they just look nicer. They got new lighting, new reflections, stuff like that. But then doing the overhauls, which I'm interested in because I want, I want to see what the game can look like, look like at its, uh, you know, highest level. Um, so this kind of satisfies, I think if you're like a counter-strike person, let me know what you think. Um, I think it satisfies everybody because for someone like me who wants the sequel, wants the brand new stuff, wants the better tech, the brand new levels, everything to look crispy. I'm going to be able to play these overhaul maps or even play the better lighting ones, which I think is a weird middle ground. Um, but for the people who just want to keep playing CSGO and they just want to keep playing exactly how they were before, you'll be able to play those OG maps. So it's really interesting. I wonder, I wonder, not all, uh, I wonder how they're going to handle it when it in comes to um, finding lobbies though. We just like click one of those three things and it'll queue you up in games from there. Um, you know, I don't know, but. Um, well, it, did, are they the same maps in three different ways? Or the, I, I thought they were just like, there's a category of the maps that are this type, another category that's this type, another category that's this. I didn't think they were all the same though. Well, they said with overhauls, they're taking classic maps and building from the ground up. Right. And then the first tier is just classic maps. And so they're going to be taking some of those maps and upgrading completely. And some of the footage they showed were of the same maps. Yeah. Well, the ones I, in the middle, I'm not so sure about. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I don't know the way the game works, but I, I would just assume you would just queue up and you would just get a version of that map at that point. I feel like you're going to be able to opt out of the new maps, though. I feel like the, the touchstone ones are going to be something you're going to opt into, kind of like how... Um, uh, some people play WoW and some people play Classic WoW. That's what I interpret from that. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but I would say those are different, like actually different games, though. So, sure, but like the graphics are, uh, you know, like not as good with the Classic version, all that kind of thing. So I I assume if you want the Classic maps, you'll be able to play at the Touchstone maps, since. 
they're transferring the game from source to source too. I'm sure they can, even though we'll be on source two, it'll look closer to the classic look and feel. Yeah. Cause they said they barely touched them. So, yeah. I mean, all I can do is assume. So, um, yeah, I don't know how they'll handle it. Cause like right now when you start the game up, you can, um, go to like the casual section, the ranking section and there you can pick, I think it's like something Delta and it gives you like five maps in that chunk. And then the other one's like Charlie or something like that. And it gives you like five maps in that chunk and it's like all segmented. So I'm wondering if they're going to do something similar to that, but Hmm. I don't know. But anyway, um, at the very least we are getting three different tiers of types of maps. Um, Like I said, I assume some of these will be, at least some of them will be built up from the ground up with source two, uh, with the overhauls, which I think is really interesting. Um, then yeah. What do you think about the visuals? It looks fine to me. Yeah. Um, I don't, it, it's a hard conversation we have cause I have like zero expectations or, or, um, interest, I guess in, yeah. in the game. So, um, I, you know, I don't need things to look amazing, but mm-hmm. they, they look fine. Um, I'm also not in the camp of like seeing something that has, you know, slightly dated graphics and saying, Oh, that's a PS2 game. Cause I think that's such a boring statement to make, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they look, they, they look fine. Yeah. They look modern enough. Yeah. I think it's interesting on the overhaul maps. We're seeing like physics in there. We're mm-hmm. seeing like fruit moving, stuff like that. So, um, it seems like they are, uh, dare I say maybe going in the call of duty route of adding like density of items on the map in the overhauled ones. Cause in the original, you just had like lanes with boxes essentially. Um, but with the new ones, maybe there'll be like movable objects when you're shooting through, uh, things will actually fall off shelves or, you know, um, actually be in the map so um i think that'll be really interesting to see especially if you play the old maps and the new version of it um easily i think it'll be really cool to see how they do that but i don't know how they're planning on doing that for sure um but yeah whatever they're doing here i feel like it's it's going to be win-win as long as they do it well um kind of uh appealing to everybody you obviously you got a new engine you want to make a new game but you also have to um, play to the legacy that is Counter-Strike and the maps that people expect from it. And so I feel like they're trying to do both. So we'll see how they execute it. Anything else you want to say? All right. Uh, let us know in the comments what you guys think about the leveling up the world, what they're doing with the maps. And if you have any more information on this that can uh, uh, illuminate it a bit more for us, let me know in the comments below. Next video for Counter-Strike 2 is moving beyond tick rate. This is about how the server communicates with your computer and uh, making sure that when you are pulling the trigger in the game, um, there's no confusion on whether you know the server might have fucked you or not. Um, which does still happen in quite a few few games. So, um, yeah, we'll watch this and we'll talk about it. Ready? All right, three, two, one, and go. Counter-Strike is known for its visceral and satisfying gunplay. Now, firing a weapon looks pretty simple. You click your mouse, your character shoots, your target takes damage. But there's a lot more happening behind the scenes. In previous versions of Counter-Strike, the game only evaluated moving and shooting in discrete time intervals, or ticks. 
and time between those ticks didn't exist. For the most part, the experience was seamless. But sometimes those milliseconds between click and tick could be the difference between landing or missing your shot. That's why with Counter-Strike 2, we're introducing sub-tick updates. Now the tick rate no longer matters for moving and shooting, so the server will know the exact moment you fired your shot, jumped your jump, or peaked your peak, and the server will calculate your precise actions between ticks. So what you see is what you get. You probably won't have much to say on that because that definitely seems like it's a feature that is going to benefit everybody. But for competition, it's going to get a lot of the like, well, I think this thing happened out of the conversation. But do you have any thoughts? I, well, I'm, yeah, I mean, from a competitive standpoint, the the less you have to worry about a server trick, the better. Um, you know, I don't know much about it in a competitive sense, but I do play MMOs and I have to deal with server ticks for that. Um, and uh, there's a reason, for example, like Final Fantasy XIV's combat system is based on a slower GCD global cooldown um, than like World of Warcraft is, is because their server ticks are, you know, basically longer mm. uh, and slower. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, but they built the game around that being a thing, um, and you were, you know, doing mostly PVE content in that game, so a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's just, it's overall, it's just going to be a good thing for a competitive game because the less things that, uh, people can use as an excuse, because in any competitive game, the loser will make excuses. Um, sure. A lot. Yeah. That's one less thing they can, they can pull out of their repertoire of why they're losing. So, yeah. Yeah. I pretty much agree with everything you said. I, I, I think it's kind of amazing how much we take for granted, just like how well servers work for the most part and when you do notice something wrong that's not as often when you're not noticing things mm. um it is kind of amazing that you're connected to a server that's communicating what you're doing to the server while other people are also doing the same thing and it has to uh connect to those things together i remember watching a video uh from the devs who make um uh, hunt showdown talking about how uh, they were improving this kind of thing. Um, this is a while back that I watched this. They're talking about like, you know, when you fire your bullet, that has to tell the server that you did that. And then the server is keeping track of that bullet, the individual bullet you shot and where it's going and when it lands and somebody else getting hit. And when they fired the bullet back at you, and that's a lot of things happening that we're trying to smooth out and make better and better and better. Um, because, you know, I, I remember back in like the black ops days, uh, called duty, um, sometimes you would get a kill or die in a weird way. And you're like, what happened? And you watch a replay and you're like, that didn't fucking happen. What the hell? That's the server. It didn't, it wasn't doing, um, as well with that as like, you know, more modern games. Mm. And then I remember when the, uh, rumors and leaks for this came out not that long ago, like two weeks ago, um, there was a part of it saying that this game wanted to be, um, competitive with Valorant. Cause I guess Valorant has a really good, um, tick system that it has implemented and so it's interesting that that is one of the first and foremost things that they're advertising is this sub tick system i'd actually like to hear more on how it works because when they're saying there's no 
like there's no latency in there at all. There's no delay or anything when they're showing like, you know, when it registered. Uh, I'd be curious on how it's doing that. Is it like a predictive thing going on? Is it like registering so quickly you can't even notice? Like I, I don't even know how the server's doing that. But um, if it is what they say it is, it's kind of amazing. Um, and I hope more and more games can achieve that because um, there's, there's nothing worse outside of just, you know, hackers or something like that than, you know, having something happen in a game, specifically if it's competitive, uh, that's server side that, uh, you know, ruins your experience. Um, you know, I'm thinking about that a lot lately playing Hunt Showdown. So uh, I do kind of appreciate what they're doing here, uh, even if it's a game that I may or may not get into. So, um, yeah, I think it's neat. I, th- I think it's cool, too, you're able to talk about this from an MMO perspective because these are all online games. They have to communicate to a server to mm. make sure everybody's having an experience that feels like it's simultaneously happening in real time for everybody. Um, so, yeah, something I think a lot of us take for granted and don't think about, so it's kind of cool they even addressed it. But I think at the at the very least, this is to reassure competitive esports people that they have a very premium Subtick server system now, um, which is probably reassuring considering how big this game. I always kind of forget this game exists, and then when the esports stuff comes up, I'm like, people still play that a lot. And I look at the numbers on Steam, I'm like, oh, it's like the most popular game on game Steam. ever. <laughs> like that's crazy. Um, so I get like when I come in and I talk about Counter Strike and how I want a real sequel and stuff, people are like, no, you don't even play, you don't even know. I'm like, okay, I get it. There, there is a established community to this game. You guys know what you want. But as somebody who could potentially be part of that community and you want to bring more people in your community, there's things I want as well. So, but, um, that's a whole different, different point. Um, yeah. So yeah, really cool. Uh, next video we got and the last one is responsive smokes, uh, for Counter-Strike two, they have implemented a new system that I don't think was possible on the last engine, um, that I, uh, I'm saying now, I feel like if this is a hit, you'll see this in more and more games. So, um, yeah, let's watch this and we'll talk about it. Three, two, one, go. In a Counter-Strike match, information can mean the difference between success or failure. As a result, smoke grenades have become a cornerstone of team tactics. With Counter-Strike 2's new game engine, we've evolved smokes and made them dynamic. Smoke grenades now create volumetric 3D objects that live in the world. Now, not only do all players see the same smoke regardless of position, but the smoke can interact with the environment in interesting ways. It reacts to lighting, grows to fill spaces naturally. The shape of the smoke cloud can be pushed and carved by bullets and grenades. In Counter-Strike 2, smoke grenades provide even more tactical opportunities. They're just going to look and play better. All right, so you actually told me about this before I saw it because you had heard about it. Um, And as soon as you even mentioned it, I was like... That's something I never thought about in a game. And now I'm like, that's cool. Like that's, that's every once in a while there's, there's just a feature that comes out in a game like uh pinging. That wasn't like a big thing in a lot of games for a long time. Mm. And some games kind of like made the system where you just press one time, no matter what it is, there's a box pinged, there's an enemy pinged. And at, at this point I'm like, every game need, needs pinging. I'm not saying every game needs this, but I will not be surprised 
if Call of Duty uh, in a couple, you know, uh, iterations will have some kind of dynamic smoke system. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is something that's going to be normal uh, in, in FPSs, and I'm actually kind of excited about it. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Um, I think it's it's a, a neat system, just in the aspect of like, uh, you know, smoke is not exactly like that, but very similar to that in real life. And so like it adds um, a little more realism to the way it works because, you know, smoking games has always been just basically like a visual wall and that's all it is. Um, and now it is that, but you can still get context clues or sometimes even like see the person through a hole in the smoke for a brief moment. And it allows just, uh, another element of like strategy, uh, into the mix. So, um, especially like, you know, instead of you having to rush through the smoke to the other side and potentially, you know, get unloaded on, you can see where they're shooting from mm-hmm. and maybe make a, a, a decision off of that. So I think that's really neat. Um, and this is just, you know, obviously a very early version of this. So seeing, how, you know, how this can be applied in not only shooters, but just in games in general in the future is kind of a uh, an exciting prospect. So, yeah, I uh, I think the shooting through and it dissipating and refilling is really neat. But I think the thing I, I think is most exciting about it is that it fills the, the area. Uh, in, in the couple of shots they showed with the circle or with the weird little hallway that goes upward, it like fills that upward. Yeah. And, uh, that's kind of neat cause it's, it's a little more immersive, but also it's more dynamic. It, it, it just makes more sense. It looks less uh, cheesy. Although when they're shooting through, it does kind of look like they're shooting through cotton candy. It doesn't look you know realistic, but the principle is still really neat. I think mm-hmm. the idea is really cool. And for gameplay, I think it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting to see what it's like because, there is an element to every first person shooter ever before this having a smoke uh, grenade out and it just blocks the view and everyone once all someone will shoot through it or you'll shoot through it just to see if you can hit something but you're not seeing anything with this when you shoot through it you're actually getting a little window for a second which gives you new data i don't know if that's going to be preferable or not but the tech is interesting and it's really neat um it would be cool to see this tech be pushed further uh by games later where like the can actually rolls and the smoke actually follows that or like implement wind into the game where the smoke actually moves that'd be a lot of uh, take a lot of resources to get that to happen but we're at a time where i think stuff like that like this uh can happen a lot easier so mm-hmm. it's funny that this feature <laughs> i never thought about it before and now that i see it i'm like there's a lot of things you could do with smoke that i never thought about um so i'm excited for it and that for that reason well even even taking this idea right and then like we'll use a different genre we'll take survival games right Mm -hmm. and uh i've played a couple survival games where like if you light a fire inside a house you start asphyxiating yeah and if you had a visual cue of smoke actually like moving and literally filling up the space yeah um and then you know maybe you can open a window or blast a hole in the wall or whatever and watch it actually drift out. Yeah, how cool it'd be That's to see cool. in a game, even for the visual of it, to see smoke billowing out of a window. Yeah. It'd be fucking insane. And I don't really have a whole lot of hope for um oh God. I why can't I remember their, oh dice. Mm. Uh, nowadays, but there is a time where I could have seen dice spearheading, something like that. 
uh, a visual like that, but not anymore. But um, but yeah, somebody else could. And mm-hmm. this just is is them kind of introducing the idea. And I, th- I feel like there's a lot of room to play with this. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of things you can implement with this kind of tech, uh, even outside of a competitive shooter. But for this game, I think it'll be really neat. Uh, the smoke grenade is a staple in, in Counter-Strike. Uh, I've used it a million times. Plenty of people use it. Um, and so that they even thought about it, I think it's really neat. And kind of a little tangent, Valve, when they do things, has good ideas. And it's so annoying that they don't do anything. Uh, you know, when they when they dreamed up a controller, I never got to use it, but it was, it was interesting. A lot of neat ideas. The Steam Deck, a lot of neat ideas. And I think they executed on it really well. Um, their little... Uh, little things before the steam deck where they're trying to do like um streaming your games to tvs or whatever oh, I forgot what that was called yeah, um yeah. didn't didn't work didn't land but cool idea and then they just have like this long legacy of like cool ideas in gaming arguably half-life 2 um you know had all these like revolutionary ideas when it first came out especially with physics and then even now they're like taking counter-strike and they're upgrading the graphics. Anyone would do that. But then they're also thinking about this shit. I'm like, man, Valve, can you guys just like fucking make a game? I mean, they made Half-Life, Alex. And it was awesome. Yeah. It's one of the best VR experiences I've ever had. So it's like, fuck, you guys have this talent. I know, you know, Steam is a moneymaker and you got to run that shit. But goddamn, they st- they still have ideas. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of frustrating to know that, you know. Even with a project like this, they're like, eh, we got some cool ideas to add to it. They do, yeah. so it's pretty neat. Overall, though, I think the smoke is really cool. Um, it's probably the biggest thing I'm excited about for uh, Counter-Strike 2, and I'll be really interested to see how it works. There is a chance, though, I could play it and go, eh, I don't really like what they did with this, but um, the tech is still really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? All right. Well, overall, uh, I'm excited for Counter-Strike 2. I'll definitely be checking it out. I'm sure you won't be. but I will uh, not be. At <laughs> least... Uh, it's it's funny because like it's easy to go like oh I'm not really in competitive games Counter Strike's like one of the most competitive fucking shooters out there so yeah. if you're not into that you're not going to be into this um, I was playing too uh, and people were like talking in game nonstop and I was like I haven't played a game like this in a while people don't talk in games anymore they're all in party chat yeah but on this they were all very vocal I was like holy shit this is a community um all right well let us know in the comments what you guys think about counter-strike 2 uh what do you think about the smoke what do you think about the technology of that we think about them moving it over to source 2 what do you think about the them transferring all your stuff over um are you into that i'm sure if you play this game regularly you want that but uh Maybe you wanted a, uh, a like a legit sequel. Uh, what does that even mean anymore? What do you think about the sub tick system? What do you think about the levels? Let me know everything you're thinking about in the comments below when it comes to Counter-Strike 2. All right, we got quite a bit of a sit here. Uh, they did a state of Unreal live stream. Now, originally, I was going to watch a couple clips from this, but there's a lot of things that are left out of context. And a lot of the videos I was going to watch are all from this presentation anyway. So we're going to watch it in its entirety. So uh, watch it with us or skip two specific parts i'll have chapters uh a little late in the episode to be telling you this but i'm sure i told you in the intro already and uh yeah if you don't want to watch through this skip forward to us reading your comments um chevy the future of unreal is crazy uh the second major update for this engine i think yeah already Mm. uh 5.1 came out and like had a couple things but this is like 
a huge jump, I guess, 5.2. Um, and I was already impressed with five when it just came out. So, um, so they barely even got games coming out on this engine. So I, I keep looking at the tech demos they keep releasing. I'm like, where's those games at? Yeah. Where, like they're being developed right now, but, um, you know, there's a couple games that have come out, um, or coming out soon, but, uh, I don't, I don't think we've seen the true next generation graphics of unreal yet. Um, but they keep showing it off. And, uh, yeah, a couple things uh, I saw from this already, but we'll, we'll watch and, uh, talk about it. But, um, they are, it seems like unreal is making it easier and easier for the average person to do anything digitally, uh, whether that be developing a game, making CGI, uh, movies, or, uh, we will see it here, uh, mo-capping with minimal, um, uh, hardware, which is fucking insane. So it's kind of exciting to see how much power they're putting in, um, the average person's hands through unreal. It's fucking unreal. So, um, yeah, you got anything you want to say or should we just start this? Uh, no, I don't really have anything. No. All right. Uh, this is state of unreal live stream, a glimpse of next gen gaming in three, two, one and go. This thing's like an hour long guys. So, uh, be, be ready. This video is a lot quieter than the other video, so I might bump it here in a sec. I'll see what they sound like. There's a new update for um, Ghostwire Tokyo that like new enemies and stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, but. Oh, there it is. What's wrong? Let me play a game more. It's pretty neat. Alright, somebody talk. looking busted. Hey everyone, it's great to be back at GDC. You know, back in 2020, as the pandemic was ramping up, we were the last major company to drop out of GDC. We were the first to go all remote. And then we headed into the pandemic. It was a completely crazy time with thousands of people working from around their homes. Um, but the company thrived. So I'd like to go through some of the things that we've done uh, since the since the last GDC. Saying the company thrived is a fucking First of all, we launched Project Liberty. Epic <laughs> challenged the App Store monopolies. Yeah, we're in front of the Ninth Circuit Court. Uh, Europe has passed major new legislation, and the fight goes on for the freedom of all developers. Mediatonic joined Epic, um, launched Fall Guys for free, and brought in 60 million new players. Whew. Bandcamp, the indie music site, joined Epic. Bandcamp helps indie that. musicians reach fans online today, and we're going to build metaverse opportunities for all musicians in the future. Fortnite thrived during this time. We launched two major chapters, no shit. lots of seasons, and brought the Fortnite audience up to 500 million player accounts. I feel like Fortnite's going to be like the Scott real metaverse. The like everybody's trying to make it. Ariana Grande million. launched yeah. the Rift Tour. 
Jesus. And so overall, Fortnite well, it's like, had a really it's, great it's time. Like a fucking tons social and tons of players enjoying, and the world turning into something evolved. more than just. We also learned some hard lessons. It's just wild. Epic ended up crazy. So many. It's an with unfathomable. It really people. brought home <laughs> to us and to the whole industry that kids Rob, and dude. technology yeah. are pressing Lately. topics for all developers to take seriously, and that the expectations of regulators here in the United States and around the world are much higher than ever before. And so we've done a lot over the past few years to improve things. We've had huge sets of new parental controls into Fortnite and the Epic Games Store and new child safety features like cabin accounts. And being Epic, when we solve a problem for ourselves, we like to bring it to all other developers so they can benefit from the work. And to that end, Super Awesome joined Epic. Super Awesome makes verifiable parental consent tools they are available to all developers for free, so it becomes much easier to comply with it's all the regulatory laws. It's kind of good they dabble stuff like that, considering access to games the vast amount, the huge variety of types of people who play Fortnite. It's probably good to yes. <laughs> have that. Went through a year of early access, followed by release. Uh, we updated Fortnite to Unreal Engine 5, and then we spent a whole year visually upgrading Fortnite to the latest capabilities of Unreal Engine 5, and which we launched uh, late last year, and we'll be showing later in this show. Epic Games Store also thrived. The player base has grown massively during this time, to over 230 million players on PC. Um, we've uh, paid out more than a billion dollars to all developers, and we've also just very recently launched self-publishing, so it's easier than ever before to launch your game to all Customers in the PC market. It's um, good they really need to have that to be competitive with uh, Steam. 88% of all revenue. But that's a summary of the past, and this day of Unreal is about the future. So I'd like to invite Nick Penn Warden to come up and talk about Unreal Engine 5.2. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. And hi, everyone. I'm excited to get to show you like some villain. of the new experimental features we've been working on for it's Unreal true. Engine 5.2. Let's take a look. Those eyebrows. All right, so last year, we added several new features to the engine to support foliage rendering, and the Fortnite team used those features to ship Battle Royale Chapter 4. At the same time, Jacob over there and the team at Quixel we're experimenting with what's possible for photoreal foliage environments, as well as testing out the latest functionality that we've been building for Unreal Engine. So Jacob's here with us today in the Unreal Editor. Let's explore the environment. And what better way to do that than off-roading? And what better way to off-road than in a Rivian R1T? Now, Rivian uses Unreal to power their instrument cluster, including 3D visualization of their vehicles, so we work with them to bring the R1T to life in this experience. Let's head on out, Jacob. Sure thing, on my way. All right. So we're building tools for interactive and dynamic worlds. So here we have chaos physics simulating rocks that tumble as we drive over them, leaves bend out of the way, and we also added some real-time fluid simulation. Okay. We worked with the team at Rivian to set up Unreal's Chaos Vehicle model to simulate the suspension of the truck and how the electric motors drive each individual wheel. Chaos also simulates how the tires compress and deform, and MetaSounds enabled the team to precisely resynthesize the sounds of the electric motors and mix them with the ambisonics of the jungle. The lighting's so good. Yeah, I, uh... 
So Rivian provided the us with undercarriage view of the, of the truck, dust and rocks moving and then the, the water moving was quite nice. Thanks to Nanite. Now the Rivian not only looks incredibly realistic because of Lumen and Nanite, but also its materials. And today we're introducing Substrate, our new material framework. And to better demonstrate it, let's swap the paint out for opal. Now, of course, you can't order a Rivian with opal body panels, but opal was the internal code for this looking. project, and yeah. also a really great demonstration of Substrate's capabilities. The base layer models the iridescence, refraction, and reflections that occur inside the, of an opal. Uh, the way the and light is interacting is with that is insanely really good. And looking. how light is yeah. absorbed as it travels through that clear layer of varying depths. And now we can add back on the dust and dirt layers. And notice how the reflection changes when interacting with the dust layer, and that there are no artifacts along the transition from dirt to dust to opal. So Substrate is more expressive, enabling artists to create materials like this with different shading models and compose and layer those materials as they see fit. Right, that tire so is fucking... The way, way it's like molded to the rock, it's really crazy looking. Yeah. Substrate materials that are similar to the current Unreal Engine shading model cost about the same. But now artists have the freedom to author more complex materials for extremely detailed use cases, like in cinematics and in film. So we're gonna drive under this fallen tree here, and everything that you've seen Looks up really to good. this point was painstakingly hand built by the environment team at Quixel. Everything since that fallen tree has been built using our brand new experimental suite of procedural content generation tools. Entirely an engine that are flexible, deterministic, and yeah, this, I think this is the thing I was telling you about our that I saw a clip of. in building these systems was to empower artists to make tools for artists. So Jacob's going to go ahead and add a procedural assembly to the world. And the cool thing is that it communicates. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and the cool thing is that it communicates with other nearby procedural elements in the scene. Ubisoft's like gonna be all over that, dude. So let's say a designer comes Making by, making the wants biggest to maps ever, it's super detailed. That's too busy working on AI stuff right now. Right. Yeah, they have that thing where they're to accommodate that change. gonna have AI help write stories. Game design is iterative, so let's say the designer comes back, wants to give the player the choice of going left or right again. Jacob can simply move the assembly back over. Now, the artist who created this assembly also added some additional handles that Jacob can use to art direct where rock slides occur. Allows him to customize the piece. It's amazing because back in the day, like you could like bring in like an asset on a map editor or whatever, and just like a building with no, like you know, it's it's textured, but there's no details to it. You slide around like that, but now you have something that detail with how much foliage and stuff you're sliding around. Like it's it's crazy to do that in real time. Well, and that it's adapting to try to yeah to blend. And I'm sure you can just get hands on with it after that. Environment. So, Jacob, let's start by removing some of the trees in this area. Absolutely. That's easy enough, actually. All right. A little too much. Let's, let's add some trees back in. Okay. And let's also add in some cliff formations, give it a little bit more variability. So the procedural systems are all deterministic. As Jacob is experimenting with different sets of input parameters, once he finds a set that he likes, he can always go back to it and get out exactly the same results. And the procedural systems aren't just placing trees and rocks, but also fog cards, bugs, birds, 
everything that's needed to bring this environment. Yes, pair that with AI. And everything that you like, see here oh, I need a scale. mountainous this place. This environment is four kilometers by Just four generate kilometers. It. If we hide all of the procedural elements, we can see that original hand-built area about 200 meters by 200 oh, interesting. meters. interesting. That's cool, you can separate them. We believe that there will always be the need for hand-building environments, so we design these procedural systems to be tools for artists that work in concert with hand-built content. Both Substrate and the new procedural tools will be available in experimental form in 5.2. And everything you've seen it's here essentially like, is uh, when you have a character editor, editor and you start with a template and then build off of that. And NVIDIA I think only lazy people GT. will just like so generate shit and be done with it. Yeah. Thank you very much, Nick, for having me. It's, been it's a also not smart because then you have to go through and test it constantly, see if there's any holes anywhere and stuff like that. It'd be better if you're just more hands on with it. All right. So come visit us at the Unreal Engine booth on the expo floor. You can check out this demo for yourself. And this afternoon, here in the YBCA, we'll have a tech talk diving into the details behind this demo. In addition, the Preview 1 build of Unreal Engine 5.2 is available now. So you can test out all of the experimental new features we showed today, as well as numerous other improvements. Head over to the Epic Games Store to download the binary build, and also get the full source code from the Unreal Engine repository on GitHub. Now, we found that we make the best technology for developers when we use it ourselves, when we really put the engine through its paces, both through tech demos like this one, as well as full game productions. So to talk about how the Fortnite team used the latest Unreal Engine 5 capabilities to ship Battle Royale Chapter 4, please help me welcome John Loth. Thanks, Nick. Chapter 4, we wanted to show Fortnite in a way players had never seen before. We upgraded with broad strokes using Lumen, Nanite, and other UE5 tech. We worked directly with the engine team to improve these features and ensure they scaled on all platforms Fortnite ships on. First up was lighting. Now, Remember our options in the past to improve lighting have been somewhat uh, limited because Fortnite is a really dynamic What was game. later called Save the World Edition before it was an official release of the game? The yeah, before Battle Royale existed. Well, even, I, I paid for early really access yeah, to, give Luma to that. Because originally it was supposed to be like a... Kind of like multiplayer co-op survival style game. Early in chapter yeah. four development, we captured a video of Lumen enabled in a it's Fortnite It's weird to see how far it's come. And the player in the video destroyed a wall, and, and light just came flooding into the room. And honestly, it was pretty stunning. Yeah, it, it brought really new good. life to the environment, and the realistic bounce light worked great with Fortnite's vibrant style. While initial results were exciting, you know, nothing is that easy in game dev. And as we discovered, real-world lighting can create real-world problems. Playtests revealed areas of the map, like attics and basements, that uh, had no windows and were just too dark for gameplay. And it was also the first time we were using auto-exposure, and it was causing bloomed-out areas when players were in dark interiors looking outside. Mm. We solved these issues using UE5 features like local exposure and some art-directable controls within Lumen that enabled us to provide a final image much better for gameplay. While the art team refined that content, does look way better. Mm -hmm. the engine team provided some new scalability options so that we could run Lumen on next-gen consoles at 60 frames per second. In addition to lighting, Nanite opened the door for us Half to time add I see this game anymore, I don't even know what it is. I'll see a clip sometimes on Twitter and they're like, oh, Fortnite, I'm looking, I'm like, what is it? That's Fortnite? Extreme mesh complexity. Yeah. 
So we spent some time experimenting, looking for a good balance between stylized art direction and detail. So we could increase visual quality, but still maintain Fortnite's uh, iconic style. Now that artists weren't limited by triangle counts, we scaled our content pipelines to um, support NAN on, on high-end hardware. Tech artists modeled new vegetation assets, and the art team created some uh, high-detailed props and some amazing hero assets. But this still left us with a large building library that needed a visual upgrade. We resolved this using an offline process that took displacement maps from our materials and created It's funny because it's like cartoony looking, but like graphically it's like good too. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, really cool it's to confusing see classic looking. Fortnite materials like brick, stone, and wood get a high resolution facelift and pop off their surfaces. Especially because like, demos have relied it still just looks like Fortnite, Fortnite but it looks so much better than it but used Fortnite's to look. An animated yeah. It's crazy. Trees blow in the wind and buildings wobble when hit. So we worked with the Nanite team and they extended the material pipeline to include masked and animated materials on Nanite geometry. The island in Fortnite is constantly evolving with major changes each season and complete reboots when chapters launch. So it's essential that we evolve our workflows too. During chapter four development, we started utilizing two new UE5 features that changed how we build levels. World partition and one file per actor. World partition automates the level streaming and it allowed us to work in one large level. We use level instance actors to group content logically like a building and all of its props. One file per actor ensured our large like dev a, team could work in this space. A means for them to have like constant revenue, but it's also mm. like a now, place for them to experiment with their engine. By a large dev team. So yeah, it's also a huge advertisement too. Yeah. Like it's, it's RLDs were in whatever you feel about Fortnite, it's kind of, and we saw consistent I don't think it was on purpose, but like it came almost this like genius we thing for Unreal, because Unreal's been around forever. Yeah. Unreal Engine 3 Our was like huge, 4 was, was huge, awesome but like the average players. person didn't give a fuck about Unreal, well, we but then Fortnite comes out and it's like features, between that, their storefront, um, and their engine, the look, you know, being licensed the to everybody, it is kind of a weird place where they can showcase Unreal to everybody, because it's got the biggest audience. It's, yeah. it's really crazy. You know, even when you have great tools and amazing content at yeah, your like fingertips, the first Unreal making five games game is hard. Was and Fortnite. it gets even trickier showcase. when you're trying to ship while you're upgrading your features. And we put a lot of effort into making sure that the, trans that the, um, the transition from UE4 to UE5 was as smooth as possible. And you've proven that it worked. And we've been impressed with all the teams who have made the jump over so quickly. Now, many of you moved your games over right in the middle of development, and quite a few of you have left internal tech in favor of UE5. And as of last month, 77% of all Unreal Engine users are on UE5, and that's rapid adoption and mass. And over 750,000 of you are actively building with Unreal Engine each and every month. You've invested in us, and we're investing in you. And beyond games, you're telling amazing stories across live action and animated entertainment. And to date, more than 550 television and film projects have been made with Unreal Engine in production. That's crazy. Now, these are some of the leading studios using UE5 today. This represents a brain trust of talented game developers from all over the world, and it's getting bigger every day. You've validated that we're on the right path, and we're blown away by how you've embraced the tools and shown us what's possible. And now, 
You're about to hear from several talented teams who are bringing their awesome games to PC, console, and mobile. First up, we have Qubit Studios, a small team whose game, Infinitesimals, has not only received an Epic Mega Grant, but is also coming to the Epic Games Store with the help of Epic Games Publishing. Here to give you an exclusive new look is Michael Borzard. Hi, everyone. I was invited here today to share our story with you. Qubit Studios is a small studio from Europe. And we have one mission, to bring the world of infinitesimals to life. In our first game, you play as Captain Ockney Rolin Rake, as he and his crew explore a mysterious planet filled with lush environments. Now, a universe is already big at our scale, but when your main character is only a few millimeters tall, it takes on a whole new meaning. As a studio, we have big ideas. As a small team, we need to make choices. And that's where switching from UE4 to UE5 made a big difference for us. It's nice that people are able to just transition over to UE5 back. so easily, because like a bunch of people did it. I mean, they just example. said that, but like I remember As when they're rolling small, it out, we they're like, oh, we're moving to, to UE5. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like said, she said it with like 77% of you know, people making Unreal games with Unreal are on five now. Yeah, I wonder why some people are sticking with four. They might just be too far into their project that they just want to get done first or something. Yeah, I can see that. And with the built-in HLOD, we get strong runtime performance while being able to load the entire world visually in editor. A large world is great, but it doesn't work any good if it's empty. Yeah. And that's where the new fact actors and level That's the thing, this, this happened with Unreal Engine 3 as well. Can use but prototype ideas, while the graphics are almost like cheap now because you can achieve such good graphics so easily now that and with one a game that could be subpar could look amazing. Yeah. You play it and you're just like, well, this game's not great. Side, it's kind of fucking amateur. But Unreal has done such a good job on making it look good. Like, you know, cause that looks fantastic. But I'm looking at the animations and I don't know, but like, you know, it could be whatever. Um, I remember but we've talked about it a million times, but like Unreal Engine 3, a bunch of games played almost exactly the same because they're using like the base fucking systems, yeah. barely building upon it. And can directly use high poly meshes. Lighting is more realistic, and we don't have to. But it excites me for indie developers having access to shit like this. All in all, working with V5 has been a tremendous time saver for us, and upgrading from V4 was surprisingly easy. We were up and running in a couple of days. We can now iterate more quickly, focus yeah, crazy. on gameplay, yeah, and yeah, allocate time insane. to risk your ideas. But enough talking. Go on the Epic Game Store and wishlist the game now. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the show. Your team has built a beautiful game, Michael. Fantastic work. Now, our next partner is one that needs little introduction. Kabam develops and publishes world-class, highly social, multiplayer mobile games. And today, they are here to make a special announcement. Ooh. Please join me in welcoming Vice President of Product, Tyler Black. Hang on a second. Kabam. Looks like they don't need introduction. Kabam. Thank you, Dana, for that kind introduction. Hi, everyone. At Kabam, we've worked with the world's biggest brands and created our own stories <laughs> to bring some of the most successful mobile games to players. Today, we're proud to announce a new project. One that ushers in a whole new era for Kabam. King Arthur, 
Legends Rise. It's a new cross-platform squad RPG set in a stunning reimagined Arthurian world. When we began this ambitious project, we knew that Unreal Engine was the only solution that had the tools to bring incredible visuals to both mobile and PC at launch. So here's how we put those tools to use. King Arthur Legends Rise allows players to explore campaign stages and interact with their environment using a variety of animations. If we were to use traditional animation techniques, the number of assets that we would need would be massive. Thanks to Unreal's advanced animation technology, like IK rig retargeting, motion warping, and property access, we can create high quality, detailed, and attractive animations with relatively few resources. But that isn't the only way that we're using Unreal Engine 5's tools to deepen the player experience. We're also making use of dynamic weather to affect character strength. I think that drives me nuts about the, like the these style of mobile games, right? Because like, well, like Clash of Clans That's all from and, us today. and stuff like that. We can't wait to share more with you about King uh, Arthur Legends Rise. In and the maybe I have the wrong name there. So check out our website. What, what's the, the one Arthur. that everyone always advertises? Raid. That's the mm. one. Um, yeah, the animations are always like super cool or whatever, but I'm like, the, next developer coming the game itself, I'm just not into. So already making a big name for themselves. Yeah, looked into them. Hexworks is a CI game studio, and they are capturing the imaginations of fans of dark fantasy with their new action RPG, Lords of the Fallen. Creative director Cesar Vitosu is here to give you an exclusive look at how they're using UE5 to build one of this year's most highly anticipated games. Thank you, Dana. That's pretty cool. Thank you, Dana, for the introduction and handling my name so graciously. Hello, everyone. I am uh, very excited to be here and uh, represent Hexworks, our incredibly talented multinational team behind Lords of the Fallen, our upcoming dark fantasy action RPG. And today we'll be sharing how Unreal Engine 5 has helped bring our highly ambitious and decidedly grim vision to life. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Lords of the Fallen Technical Showcase. Here at Hexworks, our goal has always been to create the most immersive game experience possible. Today, we're journeying to Skyrest Bridge, one of the game's early locations, to demonstrate just some of the impressive ways Unreal Engine 5's state-of-the-art technologies have helped us deliver on this ambitious vision for our upcoming action RPG. We want players to feel fully immersed in our world by playing as their own unique virtual persona. To achieve this, we've used a combination of technologies, including 3D scans I, uh, of real people much prefer and UE5's this new visual style over the last game. On the last one, like, players can create very Blizzard-esque looking. It looked, yeah, 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 like yeah. huge shoulder. Yeah, this is way better. Armor a huge and shit. range of shapes before finessing the finer details. Our extensive selection of armor sets seamlessly adapt to yeah, this definitely every shape feels the player chooses. More it's inspired really important by, to us that we represent you know, a Souls wide game, proportion but, of our audience. Um, I definitely possible. prefer the way it looks. Being able to customize your hero in Lords of the Fallen is only the beginning. Each and every one of our characters is incredibly detailed using high-resolution textures. Get up close to any surface in the game, like this tunic, for example, and detail texturing provides incredible levels of micro detail. 
How these objects no, move it, but and behave is also yeah. crucial for player immersion. UE5's Chaos Physics Engine facilitates advanced simulations for clothes, chains, hair, belts, and a whole lot more. This helps to substantially enhance the secondary motion in all our characters, making their movements look much more lifelike. The lighting in Lords of the Fallen takes full advantage of Unreal's brand new it's nice to see We've been able to light in-game stuff, not just a trailer with flashing real time yeah. scenes. Meaning we can immediately see the effect of a light bounce, for example, without waiting for the traditional slow baking processes. Watch how the lighting reacts as we move our light source around this environment. <sighs> yeah, it's just kind of funny because I remember, like, I Global think it was Unreal 3, like this can where be quite it started, but, like, processing. where things would so load in, like, layer by layer almost, and so lighting would look kind of weird additional details until finally, as you ordered it, baked in. We can then fine-tune so. these light bounces on our nanite meshes, providing our world with impressive levels of detail. Well, they're doing it in real time, which is kind of crazy. Because before you used to have to put in light sources, yeah. and then you could Perhaps dictate where the light was at, and or whatever. But now, like, they're just showing that like, you could just create a light source and move it, and it's casting that light the in. The realm of the living, Axiom, and the realm of the dead, Umbral. We've created our own custom tool set within UE5 that allows us to intricately craft these two environments side by side and seamlessly swap between them. This means our artists and designers can ensure these worlds feel intrinsically linked, like two sides of the same coin, even if one side is decidedly more horrific than the other. Hmm. On behalf of Hexworks, thanks for watching today's brief kind of stoked to play the this game. Realms of Umbral and Looks Axiom fucking cool. Yeah, it's sad that this tech demonstration was, was more... Uh, PC impressive than their trailer the trailer was cool because it showed tonally it's a different looking game than the original but yeah seeing that kind of showed me the game's actually like pretty good looking mm -hmm. the animations were good it this sounds like these they're adding their own systems on rail and stuff MMO so RPGs. characters don't look like football players recently, yeah they've been pushing the boundaries of cinematic storytelling i thought lords of the fallen the lords of the fallen i don't remember what the original one. here what's more is ncsoft's anyway. chief strategy um, officer Doctor Sung Had some cool ideas, but it felt like Dark Souls light. Yeah. It felt like a dollar store Dark Souls. We have Dark Souls Thank at home. Thank you so much for yeah. the introduction, Dana. Good morning, everyone. I'm excited to share NCSoft? our yeah. latest okay. production, Project M, with you today. Yeah, they've been busy lately. As you may know, because they were real quiet NCSoft for a while. is recognized I covered this as on one of the best MMORPG developers. Thanks to our blockbuster franchises like Lineage and Guild Wars. However, we're not content with this achievement. We're always pushing for boundaries and exploring new technologies. So let me introduce Project M to you. It is our latest innovation, harnessing the power of cutting edge AI and graphics technology to an unprecedented level. With the help of Unreal Engine, we have achieved our vision for Project M with seamlessly integrating our foundational AI technology, resulting in breathtaking detail. So to give you a sneak peek, we have prepared a video featuring our CEO and Chief Creative Officer, TJ, who will 
personally guide you through our newest creation as a digital version of himself. Thank you so much for your attention, and I hope you enjoy Project M. Appreciate her um, pauses and clear communication. It's very easy to listen to her. A lot of times when people get up there, they just kind of keep talking and I can't. Uh, Project M is one of NCSOC's most intake it all today. that quickly. What would it mean to you if the world was comprised of informational particles instead of physical particles? Oh, I got a little ahead of myself. I am TJ Kemp from NCSoft. Welcome to Project M. How would the fabric of simulated reality change our perceived world if we could tamper with the arrangement of those particles? This very idea is what sparked Project M. The informational particles that shape Project M's world can transform reality based on your choices. And each choice you make will change your experience. So they're making a fucking uh, quantum dream game? Yeah, I was gonna say. It's like uh, their take on that type of game, which is fine, because not a lot of people make that kind of stuff, so. It's weird, because like, a lot of this all looks like, it's all pre-rendered, of course, but like a lot of this looks like compressed. Yeah. Like it's like a cinematic that they made an engine, but it's like playing like a video file, but then like a second ago, it looked like it was actually in engine, so it's interesting. It looked like, you know, what you'd see if you're playing the game. Right. It's interesting what they're doing, like, the way they're presenting this, because, like, I honestly don't think it looks like... The concept looks interesting, but, like, the, the graphics Value are not that every encounter and But every I think it's, month, it's compressed. These will be essential in the world of Project M. Well, they just this is like a prepared video yeah. as well. So. I look forward to seeing you yeah, but I didn't feel that way when we were seeing uh, Lords of the Fallen, which is also, you know, pre-rendered, but... It's interesting. It's it interesting is. that's an NCSoft thing. It will, doesn't seem like an MMO. It, Thank right. You, Ian. It's also kind of tricky like too, because like, and thanks to all the game teams like that, you that have to have you have to have a good games. story. Yeah, like it's gonna carry the, the whole game. Yeah, if you have a shit story, no one's gonna <laughs> want to continue. Yeah. Characters so. with loads of detail and authenticity. And our team understands that believable digital humans are at the heart of great storytelling. And for more on that. I'm happy to hand it over to our CTO, Kim Lareri. Thanks, Dana. Thank you. Some incredible games, sir. Hey, everybody. Wow, up, it's bro? great to be back after four years. Um, it's good to see you all. Um, so, it's been two years since we released MetaHuman Creator. This cloud-hosted uh, tool allows you to create photorealistic digital humans for your game or experience with the simplicity of an RPG character creator yet with a level of realism and customization that you've never seen before. 
Our community has created millions of metahumans for their Unreal projects, and the work we've seen has been unbelievably breathtaking. And I'm sure a bunch of you in the audience are actually making metahumans as well. Let's take a look at some of this work. How one of those is called unannounced project. It's interesting to be able to even show it. Amazing. You know, there isn't a day that. Thank you. So there isn't a day that goes by that we don't see some post on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever showing us amazing usage of metahumans. And I think it's been a really big game changer for anybody trying to tell a story in their game or their experience. Um, but today we want to take things to the next level. So I'm going to actually introduce two of my most favorite friends um, to the stage. Uh, our head of digital human technology. <laughs> hey, have to show us. Let me introduce this, ne this person to talk about something. Let me introduce this Ninja person. Series, my most favorite friends. Series, how are you both doing? We're good, thank you. It's been a while since we were last on this stage. In fact, uh, I think it was seven years ago that uh, we went through this uh, ordeal. That's a long time a ago. PTSD, uh, triggering there. Yeah, talk but about a studio that can make facial animations. Ninja Theory, Epic, Cubic Motion, Free Lateral, to do something that we thought would wow audiences here and sort of set a template for the future of using characters in games. So anyway, um, I think, we're, uh, I think we're in a pretty, good, pretty uh, amazing place right now with the industry, but we do want to take things to the next level. And what I want to do a little bit about is how's things going at Ninja Theory? How's the, how's the new game going? Yeah, uh, the team and I are doing really good, and we're just extremely busy working on the follow-up to the first Hellblade, which will be called Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. This game's Can't wait. forever to come out, though. It's insane <laughs> how long that ago that was announced. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to leave the stage and let these two take over. Don't blow people's minds. Thank, Thank you, Hi, everyone. Coming soon to your GTX 6000s here. <laughs> Our guiding vision for MetaHuman has been the democratization of complex character technologies, allowing you to work faster and see the results immediately. A character is only truly believable if its motion fidelity matches its visual fidelity, but animating at this level is a hard task for even the most skilled studios. Some of our best work leveraged 4D capture, but this took specialized hardware and weeks or even months of processing time. While MetaHuman Creator gave you the ability to generate high-quality characters, animating them still wasn't as easy. This is why I'm very excited to announce a new capability to the MetaHuman product, MetaHuman Animator. MetaHuman Animator contains the essence of our 4D pipeline, but optimized to run on a single machine. It is able to use iPhone, as well as stereo professional systems, and today, we're going to demonstrate how it works. For this, we're going to need Mel, our technician, John Cook, and just the phone. <laughs> Mel, can you take your position, please? Sure. Let me know when you're ready. OK. OK, and action. I need performance capture to work like a mirror. I need it to capture whether I'm acting scared or angry. And sometimes, all I need is a look. Cut. Thanks, Mel. That was great. Yeah, you're welcome. OK. Our technician, John, is currently pulling Mel's performance from the phone onto his machine, where everything will be processed locally. Uh, I feel like we have updated the wireline-based mobile app to capture all data at so the best far. resolution possible with the device. 
MetaHuman Animator uses video and depth data to convert um, uh, this data into high-fidelity performance animation, and it can even use audio to produce convincing tongue animation. John is currently scrubbing through the take to pick the section that he wants to process. John, are we all good with the data? Awesome. So from now on, it's just a single button click to kick off the processing, which for a performance of this length will take less than a minute to convert. It's funny how just like so digital now, well, that is processing. Let me machine show you else. Yeah. Not oh, learning, but yeah, systems can, can do what a bunch of hardware cool. used to and do. And this is generated by the capture we made earlier, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, and so they made a point to say that you don't be able to do this using one machine instead of like two crazy who use multiple. And do you only need to do this once for each actor? Yes, that's right. It calibrates the solver to your face so that we can produce the performance in, in a this is gonna, way that people This kind of stuff right here. Sounds uh, cool. Yeah. So let's check back on the Its on applications the are way beyond gaming. Which today is on the latest <laughs> oh, yeah. CPU and GPU hardware so. from AMD. MetaHuman Animator uses a custom epic facial solver and landmark detector. We can interactively look at the animation while it's being solved and compare it to your original performance. So it looks like it just, it's almost finished. After this, it's going to do one more pass to make the curves more stable. Just really quick. And from here on, we, can, we just need to export the animation. This takes only a few seconds. And then John needs to drop it in the level and add the audio so that we can see the result. So Mel's MetaHuman should now be ready. It's crazy that no. he's just kind of so doing this on the, the fly, results? too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he knows the system in and out. I need yeah. performance capture to work like a mirror. I need it to capture whether I'm acting scared <laughs> what the or fuck? angry. <sighs> uh, that's great. And sometimes all I need is a look. Outside of the eyes looking, you know, still kind of dead. Mm -hmm. um, that was very good. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Thank you. So, Mel, what do you think? I think it's incredible because it usually takes months between performance capture and getting any results back. So this is yeah, <laughs> sure to get higher quality. Facial mode capping, you're still going to use controls. you know more. In this case, we are using a bespoke insane they're even able to do that together with Ninja Theory for Hellblade Two. Well, yeah, but it's also ready to use on any manipulator right or there. any other yeah, rig so. that follows our new MetaHuman standard. Let's have a look at that. <laughs> I need performance capture to work like a mirror. I need it to capture whether I'm acting scared. Holy crap. And sometimes all I need is a look. So the same thing works even on stylized characters. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Thank you all. It's so weird to see, and it's all tech, but like, just things get easier and easier and easier, like with that Quixel thing where you can scan real shit into digital properties and be able to do that on your phone now. We've got one more thing we'd like to show you. I don't know. It's fucking insane. What you're about to see is animation that has not been polished or edited in any way, and it took MetaHuman even like just minutes to process. Like for myself, like I enjoy watching like YouTubers and stuff like that. But the 3D aspect of YouTubers is always kind of weird still. Stuff like that's going to make it so much crazier in the future. Yeah. So They said this is done with the phone with no touch-ups or anything. Take 13.
is the thing I got on Twitter was talking about. Got it. I see through your darkness now. I see through your lies. I will show them how to see as I do. I will not appease your gods. I will destroy oh. them. Eyes are really well done. Reflection on them. Yeah. Good. You like it? <laughs> I got kind of goosebumps from that. That was crazy. Some guy had like a, Man, a screenshot cool? of that and right, the original trailer the for that game, and the guy was we like, "It's a downgrade visually." I'm like, "Fucking a downgrade? We talking about? Looks amazing." Now we've seen that by giving you access to high quality game ready assets like I think he was like a PlayStation like fanboy though where he was just trying to downplay anything that Xbox was doing which uh, you know I don't like that with any any direction so get out of here that was incredible looking on a mission that started several years ago. Yeah, especially if it's Since true that you just use the phone for that, that's fucking insane. We've been working to aggregate and organize all the world's best digital assets for you to use in your work. In 2018, we joined forces with Quixel, whose mega scans have now been downloaded over 40 million times. In 2021, ArtStation became part of the Epic family. And we welcomed a community of the world's best digital artists who've since uploaded. I think Unreal just wants to be to like site. your go-to. Later that same do year, anything digitally, fucking. Place. And now has more than 10 million registered well, I mean, users. Of course they do. Yeah, sure, but I mean, like, they, it sounds <laughs> like they're doing it. Share, like they're they're uh, and, and they're getting all these different the things and like. Now each of these businesses has their own. Earlier they said like they own Bandcamp, incredible or content, whatever, of course, which I vibrant forgot they even, that even happened. I mean, the show. We're now working to bring all the companies right there that are all theirs. Let's take a look at this point. I mean, stuff like this is gonna kill fucking Hollywood. Wow, Hollywood's killing Hollywood, but yes, sure. <laughs> yeah. Fucking this is this is a viable replacement. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where any person could just do some like facial no capping or stand in front of a green screen and use Unreal for your environments and just make movies like. Later this year, we'll be merging our content offerings into a new unified creator marketplace called Fab. Built on the strong foundation of sketchfab.com, we're going to drop the sketch and go all in on Fab. Fab will be an open marketplace serving the entire digital content creation industry. That means we're going to offer assets for all game engines, all digital content creation tools, and metaverse-inspired cool. worlds. So whether you're a studio making a blockbuster game or yeah, movie, or you're a player building your first island in Fortnite, easier. our goal is to bring you everything like you need to build your nature, world in one place. We'll have they models, have materials, sound, plugins, animations, visual effects, and more. Creating freedom for developers. That'll be the new home so. of Quixel Megascans, MetaHumans, and other incredible epic content designed to push the limits of what's possible. We'll also bring you the high-quality assets and environment packs from leading art studios, AAA game developers, 
media companies. Well, that's just cool because maybe you don't want to make games, you want to design assets. Mm-hmm. You could be able, you, it's like a Steam marketplace, but, but for developers. Our primary focus is yeah. on you the best stuff out there. One well, creative Millions people in general. Independent artists so, will yeah. benefit from the lowest fees in the industry, pocketing 88% of revenue from their sales so they can build real hmm. businesses and invest in making more great assets for you to use. That's right. Now with millions of I don't of know assets, what it typically is, but 88 sounds pretty good. Super simple for you to find what you're looking for and get inspired along the way. We'll leverage automated tagging to consistently and accurately describe content. Standard, I thought, and we'll give you the ability to inspect 3D models before you download. Using people's marketplaces in general. Building on the success of Quickful so yeah, Bridge, that plugin will enable you to it's funny because like content, what, right 12% without leaving the game is editor. pretty small, but like you have a lot of people coming to you. You're going to make a bunch of fucking money anyway. So we wanna, and it's going to be, your it's going to incentivize people to come to you. So you're going to be taking business from people who are not for giving example, them as much. So with Adobe will make it I don't know, easy for fucking, you to export and publish uh, models from Epic's really good about that. directly to Fab. Finally, leveraging Sketchfab's digital asset management capabilities, Fab will be the place where you go to store, manage, and share assets either privately with teammates for collaboration or publicly on the web to showcase your work. With collaboration tools like this, we want to help small teams do big things. Now, it's no longer just major studios who are driving our industry forward. World building has become accessible to everyone. And we're seeing this today with tens of millions of new creators building awesome experiences in Fortnite, Roblox, Minecraft, and other open worlds. This is increasing the demand for ready-to-use content and it's creating an exciting new I still don't know what Roblox is. I've never seen it, except for I've seen like projects made there. We believe they're not like as great as people make them sound, but like the, it's pretty impressive what you can do with whatever the hell Roblox is. Essential yeah, I don't know anything about it other than the visual styles. Now we're going to keep you posted um, over the course of the next several months as this rolls out. Like when I was a kid, 3D cartoons on Cartoon Network looking. And now please welcome Sax well, there's one thing that's making its way around right now that's like um, very Call of Duty looking. It's made in Roblox. Um, it's great to be here today. A lot of people are making a big deal We've about been it, but I think it's more so for a very long trying time. to protest that they don't like this what Call of Duty is at right now. Exactly so like, look what Roblox can do, but COD can't. Like, no, COD decided not to do that, but yeah. it is crazy. Roblox can even do that. new tools to existing Fortnite creators, powerful new opportunities for professional developers. Fortnite is becoming an ecosystem. That means new tools to design, develop, and publish games, and a new economy that rewards developers. These updates bring us one step closer to Epic's vision of a connected metaverse where billions of players enjoy high-quality creations made by millions of developers. At the center of this all is Unreal Editor for Fortnite, available today in public yeah, beta on Epic Game Store. It's a new PC application that brings the power of Unreal Engine to the scale of the Fortnite audience. I saw somebody make um, deeply integrated with the game a Mario new workflows that allow PC and all Fortnite. other platforms to create together fast and fluid. We call it UEFN for short. But first, let's talk about how we got here. Fortnite changed when we released Fortnite Creative four years ago. Creative is an in-game toolkit for players to make sandbox games inside Fortnite. And because of Creative, Fortnite is already much more than a game. It's already a place where players find games and developers find players. But why should you develop in Fortnite? Well, our players are highly social, content hungry, with over 500 million player accounts, massive PC presence, 
and the largest console player base is the best, most vibrant place for developers to find an audience quickly and publish new games. Islands built using creative tools already account for roughly 40% like of playtime in Fortnite. 2019, people saying Fortnite was dying. We expect that number to keep growing with UEFN. I was just like, no, it's not. So this <sighs> is a sample of games in Fortnite today. Anytime anyone says anything is, is dying, I just want to roll my eyes engaged, anyway, so. They have more fun when they play Epic Zone games like Battle Royale and community games made by creators like you. Like the combination is what makes Fortnite special and what is going to help us all grow. As we've shown it on Real Engine, Epic's mission is to deliver an awesome suite of tools for developers. Unreal Editor for Fortnite is for experienced game developers, like many of you in this room, but it's also for the growing community of Fortnite Island creators that are ready for Unreal Engine's proven PC editor workflow. As you're going to see in the demo coming up, UEFN and the existing creative toolkit is already a great combo for developer and Fortnite creator teams to make incredible experiences. Of course, our long-term goal is to make the entire feature set of Unreal Engine or bring the entire feature set of Unreal Engine to UEFN, but also over time to expose many of the other services that Epic offers. Bill just announced Fab. Fab is launching today also inside UEFN in an alpha version. And products like MetaHuman will be coming to UEFN in the future to support your creative vision. For the next stage of Fortnite and ultimately the open metaverse, it's going to be crazy to be like, use a separate thing to make a, a character problems. model and then import Interoperability, it. scalability, and, and resilience. Like do it in real you know, issue something you'd have to originally scale, have like a separate program uh, to and, and make character models and animations and stuff. Mm -hmm. This is what led us to develop Verse. It's a powerful new general programming language designed specifically for this purpose. You're going to see us use it in the demo in just a moment. The second thing we're working towards is high interoperability between UEFN and Unreal Engine that will enable you to take your work anywhere. And by the way, behind me is the new creator portal also launching today where you can manage all your islands, one-click publish them to the world, and when you publish the UEFN, your original IP and your assets are yours to take anywhere. Now let's take a closer look at UEFN features and workflows. That's kind of crazy that you can make that within Thank like you. Fortnite, publish it, and it's yours. Unreal Editor yeah. for Fortnite runs on PC and is integrated directly with Fortnite, so you have access to over four years of content, all for free, to get you started. What's special about UEFN is what we call Live Edit. Live Edit allows anyone on your team to join a UEFN session from any platform that runs doing is they're getting That means someone can join from a console. Giving people like an entry Fortnite point client. into creation. And they're able to work alongside and collaborate so. with PC users. UEFN has access to all Fortnite creative devices, our modular gameplay systems that work in the in-game editor. This allows you this to instantly kind of add crazy, gameplay. But I feel like this and quickly is bootstrap your game from the hundreds of gameplay devices already like available. Social media. The UEFN beta has like many Facebook of the same features we use to create Fortnite, like these, like, including the landscape where you editing can play, tool interact, You can edit the landscape to change the look of your island, or I make mean, sweeping changes to create Facebook something completely new. Facebook and these tech companies new. are pushing metaverses. So sure, but it's like it feels more realized. So even though you have access to tons of Fortnite content, with UEFN you can make content. Well, we're being shown it through someone. Yeah. This is a section from Forest Gump. No, but like I can just we're not seeing what I'm saying, but like I could I could actually see where this goes. It's fucking crazy. The ability to import your own custom assets. So we used a few 3D models, textures, and materials that we built just for the project. And all the lighting in the cave was made possible thanks to Lumen, our real-time global illumination system. You can also find more content like Quixel Megascans and Sketchfab models in our initial alpha release of the Fab plugin for UEFN. 
All assets are curated and optimized for use in Fortnite, and the full version of FAB will launch later this year. You can also create and modify materials, so you can change the look and feel of objects easily. And you can import skeletal meshes, and then animate using sequencer and control rig. Everything you've just seen is available today in the public beta version of Unreal Editor for Fortnite. If I had more time, I would want to like try out some of the shit because I, when I was younger, I used to love fucking making like, maps and stuff in games, but it was so much harder back then Short than what I'm seeing right now. Just, like, the yeah. most like, just being like drag and drop fucking textures or colors and stuff on the things is like so much more simple. Let's do a live demo on PC running on Fortnite public servers right here on stage. Uh, welcome, Michael and Ray, to the stage. Take it away. Once they implement AI into this, which they will eventually, it won't be that far out. You're just, like, because a lot of people don't want to create things. I'm glad that went well. Um, but if right. you just request hey, folks, something, so let's talk about and how it can just generate for made. you, it's going to be fucking insane. Michael here yeah. has the scene open in Unreal Editor so we can take a closer look. For the environment, we built this level using Quixel Megascan assets, many of which are available in the Fab UEFN plugin. We also use custom content that we built just for this demo. For the gameplay you just saw, we, we hand-placed enemies using a creative device called a guard spawner, which generates the aliens that you saw at specific locations. However, we wanted to do more and introduce dynamic play that goes beyond what the current creative devices can do. So to do this, we used our new programming language called Verse. So in this short section of code, every second we grab the position of the player. And for each spawn location, we then calculate the distance to the player. And if it's within a certain threshold, we tell that guard to spawn into the level. So now we have gameplay that's more reactive to the player's actions. Hmm. This is just a short example of using verse, lose some people, but for but a deeper dive, check out the verse tech talk later today. Seems really simple. Fucking half now, code Michael is just copy pasting anyways, but the yeah. Hi, everybody. So before the gameplay section, we played this quick cinematic uh, animation. This was actually created entirely in UEFN using Sequencer. Sequencer is our multi-track editor, and it's been used in everything from in-game cinematics to Hollywood feature films. So let's take a look. Uh, now all of this stuff is available right inside UEFN. So let's take a look at this last shot from a slightly different perspective. So the other thing we featured in this section was a bunch of Niagara. Niagara is now available in UEFN, and it's our uh, high-end VFX system. So, uh, and just like in the movies, you, get, you can frame up shots and have great effects. So what we're going to do here is just set this up. So just like in the movies, you can have slow-mo too. Makes everything better, right? <laughs> so this is just a sampling of some of the stuff that you can do inside Sequencer. But let's get back to the game. 
All right, so now that we're back in the game, in UEFN, you have access to Fortnite's time of day system. Or you could use what we did and do what we did and use a completely custom lighting solution. And thanks to Lumen, both daytime and nighttime look great. Now, let's go to the final gameplay section and let's close out the demo. If you took but that character as a reminder, out of there, that would look, that I mean, it looks great, but like that character definitely sticks out compared to the environment, but the environment's fucking fantastic looking. Yeah, but I think they're, they're just using it as a point that it's in it's Fortnite, Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They, these are all characters from that. Especially, I mean, obviously it was made for this presentation, so it's, it's going to look good, but yeah. also they didn't put the same amount of time into that as if they did, like, Thanks, you know, make Ray, a game or anyone, something. So everybody that put this together. It looked really good. The, the, the demo came about when we asked the special projects team inside Epic that came straight off the Matrix demo to, why don't you put UEFN through its paces? And one amazing fact about this demo is that it's less than 400 megs, it downloads and plays in less than a minute, and it plays on any platform that Fortnite runs on. Like, that is the promise of That's what UEFN is. That's fucking crazy. So again, Fortnite is available today in public beta in Epic Game Store. Uh, you want an early glimpse of some other technical showcases that our internal teams made uh, with UEFN and Verse, check out Deserted Domination, Forest Guardian, and The Space Inside. All three yeah, are available to play right now left. in Fortnite Discover. I saw clips of that. So we've talked about brand new tools in the Fortnite ecosystem. Now I want to talk about the next generation of Fortnite's economy, that both Epic and creators will participate in. We call it Creator Economy 2.0. Here's how it works. The money in the economy comes from player spending in the item shop. Fortnite generates billions of dollars a year in revenue from player purchases. Fortnite players who have fun engaging in islands tend to spend more in the item shop. Creators who make popular islands are bringing real value to the Fortnite ecosystem, and we're going to share the resulting revenue with them. This is the engine powering a creator economy 2.0. We believe this so strongly, we will distribute 40% of Fortnite's global net revenue to eligible creators who publish games in Fortnite, both independent developers and Epic. Anything we make, like Battle Royale, Zero Build, also participates in the pool shared with creators. This will be the primary way that Epic will pay for our own game development in Fortnite going forward. 
Business transformation. So they're paying people who are making content? Games. Oh, games. Yeah. I thought he was talking about the islands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or or (laughs) projects in general that that Um, sell that creator fund comes from 40% of Fortnite's store. We imagine thousands of third-party development teams building businesses and thriving with this model. Payments I'm glad they're so ready the to start trying to take into account data like give money to people who are engagement, retention, working. Players. Yeah, essentially work. The benefit <laughs> of this new approach is rooted like in passionate fans. Rewards yeah. everyone's creative work. Well, well, they are. They are doing the same There's fucking no work as like somebody who's just established. Or extractive sure, so, items. but they had people doing it anyways because they wanted to. And now they've literally just planted the seed of the new economy. Hey, you could come creator over here and do this. Is live right now. Yeah. Just adding people. For eligible now. creators who are currently publishing, so. we are backdating the engagement payouts to the beginning of this month. And for more details and to sign up, go to create.fortnite.com. Everything you've seen today represents Epic's biggest bet ever the release of advanced tools that publish directly into Fortnite on PC, console, mobile, and cloud lowering the barrier for developers to be part of one of the biggest entertainment ecosystems. We welcome anyone to join us in the future where original content is owned by its creators, where developer earnings are a function of fun, and where ecosystem can be directly linked through community language standards. There's a lot to this fucking showcase. To support support developers who adopt UEFN, we're broadening the Epic Mega Grants program to help teams bootstrap projects that use UEFN and Verse. We're just getting started. And we hope that you'll join us and help shape the future of development. Now we're going to give you a look at what UEFN can do right inside Fortnite. After the video, Tim is going to come back out to talk about Epic's future vision. Thank you very much. It's so funny that the direction Fortnite's going in, you can't even have a conversation about Fortnite as a battle royale anymore. Yeah. It's not. It's not a battle royale anymore. I mean, it's, I mean, have, it's just a brand. Yeah, exactly. It, uh... It's had features before, like creative tools like that, but, like, where it's going, like, it's just... Thanks. We think this is going to be a really powerful combination. Bringing together Fortnite's 70 million monthly active users with the power of the Unreal Editor and a new creator economy uh, to share the revenue with creators who create engaging experiences. And it's another milestone on the path to a new kind of entertainment medium, which science fiction literature calls the metaverse. Hmm. Because there's a crazy amount of hype around this whole topic, I'd like to step back and take a long-term look at what we see here. And the core of it is some very real growth, starting with Fortnite's 70 million monthly active users, Roblox's 250 million monthly active users, Minecraft's 100 million, and PUBG Mobile and Apex Legends, and numerous other Metaverse-inspired games, is leading to an identifiable audience today of over 600 million active users in these virtual worlds. And it's on a growth trajectory that will put it at billions of users by the end of this decade. And so we can set aside the crazy hype cycle around NFTs and VR goggles. You know, these technologies may play a role in the future, but they are not required. This revolution is happening right now. True. And the core of it is something every gamer already understands. It's you and your friends getting together online and going around as a group, 
on voice chat, having a fun time, and social entertainment experiences. And some of these experiences are serious games like Battle Royale. Some of them are going to a concert and dancing or chatting with friends and just having a good time. We see this as the next big change in gaming and an Epic's evolution as a company. You know, we started out back in 1991 making 2D games. Uh, we recognized the opportunity with 3D, so we built the first Unreal Engine and first Unreal Tournament game. We evolved to make console games like Gears of War. Then we evolved to make online games like Paragon and Fortnite. But when Fortnite shut first in 2017, it was just our game. Uh, but over time, we Unreal, recognized the, say, the opportunity uh, to bring it to a much wider audience. So we built Fortnite Creative of, Mode, um, of, and then. The, the underwear of Fortnite coming out now. But we see the future like of this that. medium, primarily not yeah. about Epic's work, but about the work of independent creators. And we're building towards this open metaverse from two different directions. First of all, we're taking the Fortnite audience we have and enhancing the development capabilities with the new tools and this creator economy to support everybody's work. But we're also helping developers building standalone products evolve towards building metaverse experiences themselves. The Unreal Engine is a tool for this. The Epic Game Store is a distribution vehicle for it. Epic Online Services has taken Fortnite's seven, and Epic's 700 million player accounts and 5 billion social connections and opened them up for free to all developers so they can plug into voice chat and participate in these social experiences in a very easy to use way. And all of these are on-ramps to the future metaverse. We really think that over the next decade, Today's separate apps and ecosystems are going to join together to form tomorrow's open metaverse. And you know, because the last couple of decades have been about walled gardens, walled gardens, walled gardens, let's back up and talk about how open systems have successfully come about in the past. You know, this has happened really big time back in the early 1980s and 1990s when the open internet was built. You know, back in those days, there were a bunch of closed networks at different companies and universities that couldn't talk to each other. Mm. And so the industry got together and defined open standards to connect these closed networks into one big open network. They connected email systems by putting the at sign in email addresses so people on one service could communicate with people on other services. And then they began to define open standards like JavaScript and HTML um, for the open internet so that any user could participate. And the rule at that point was that any company could connect as an equal into the system just by following the open standards. Now let's talk about this what this means for the open metaverse of the future. Yeah. You know, we have the opportunity kind of thinking, to take all these know, different online thinking really about metaverse shit through this and, and thinking of into a single where they came where from and shit and all these else. things that have happened. We have the opportunity to turn today's game engines into tomorrow's metaverse browser engines. If you take a look at Unreal Engine and Unity and Godot, you, know, you have some very powerful 3D engines that have an increasingly common set of features um, and are increasingly adopting industry standards as ways of communicating with each other and with other tools. There's the GLTF content standards, there's Pixar's universal scene description format, and then there are a lot of new standards bodies that have formed to help to standardize the metaverse. There's Kronos Group, there's the Metaverse Standards Forum, there's the Academy Software Foundation and the Open3D Foundation. And we have the opportunity for all developers to work together to define the future of this thing. And there's also the opportunity to connect the economies of these different ecosystems. You know, what a user would really like is to be able to buy a cool looking outfit in one place and take it everywhere they go. Um, 
Well, as we were designing really this new Fortnite creator economy, blockchain, one of the things we were constantly thinking about <laughs> is how this could, in the future, be connected into an open metaverse economy. And there's no reason that the core model there in which revenue from item shops well, and creators though, of experience they're already building an ecosystem where things be are interchangeable between different mediums of making metahumans and putting them in an engine on like the editor or making items make, uh, and putting them onto the storefront they're they're talking and this gets essentially to a really nfts key but here, and that is who is going to build they the are the blockchain the it's all within their ecosystem it's not part of something all of us together. it's it's really it interesting because yeah he's he's making a really good case for metaverse and nft style shit in a way that feels more organic than what people typically talk about knowledge to the to the new world and brands like disney and ferrari and ralph lauren have already experienced the metaverse through crossovers with Fortnite, we think this is just the very beginning of a very long-term opportunity for all these companies to have a much larger presence in the digital world, um, in which it becomes a major and first-class business line for all of them. Uh, future open metaverse will be about musicians and music labels and film and television studios who are using virtual production today to build world-class photorealistic content being able to bring it and launch it playably in the metaverse. Throughout like this whole presentation of them showing all these different things and then talking about how they're going to interact awesome and connect and stuff, I started instantly thinking about like metaverse stuff. And I was like, holy fuck. I think now, they Epic could do Because like I think about what Facebook did. They, they're quick to change their name to meta. We're meta. Oh, metaverse? Yeah, let's fucking do metaverse shit. And what they did is something less than what PlayStation Home did back on fucking PS3. They just had some avatar standing in a fucking office talking to them with horrible graphics. But these guys are thinking about whole ecosystems that are interconnected that all feed off of each other. It's not just being in the world. It's also creating the world. We went from the pandemic tech downturn, it's, uh, the crypto implosion, it's and now crazy. banks are failing. Where it's going to be it's a really five, crazy time years. again. But we're investing very heavily in the future with the belief that companies who invest now through these hard times are going to come out the strongest company in the future, the com strongest companies in the future. Some of these investments we're making in Fortnite initially and then bringing the work to Unreal Engine. Some things we're building in Unreal Engine, taking to Fortnite. But the aim is to support everything the AAA game developers are doing today and more. And this project to build this all out into an open system is going to take most of the decade. And that is the journey from Unreal Engine 5 to Unreal Engine 6 that will happen over this time period. It is the same journey uh, to the open metaverse. But there's no need to wait because we're doing it live. We're building all of these systems and deploying them. It's also crazy how they're taking right money in and 5, circulating it to partners. people who are in this uh, so ecosystem. Like he said earlier, stuff, like download on your they, head or it's Fortnite, its own ecosystem. And and it's only going to turn into more of its own ecosystem financially. It's fucking weird. Way more technical mm -hmm. detail. Thank you very much for your time. And that's the end. Uh, we pretty much talked about everything as we went, but what's your lasting impressions going through that whole thing? Obviously, we don't have to recap the whole thing. Um, I mean, mostly the biggest takeaways for me, um, you know, as a effectively a consumer, because I'm yeah. not a developer, um, is that they have if have 
constantly shown, especially with this engine, that they're trying to make it easier and easier for um, not just people with money, but the everyday person to be able to create, whether that is assets or games or movies or whatever. Like they want you to have the tools. Um, I think stuff like that is a good thing. Um, you know, I, an example that comes to mind is when Sony released uh, uh, Dreams. Um, which was just like this little suite to get people to be creative and, and make things and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's a neat idea, obviously, but in this case you're taking a similar idea, but you're also, um, allowing the potential for that to go from a hobby thing to potentially a career thing. I think that's really important. It's something I, I think um, schools sure as fuck aren't doing. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think it's great. And and my my probably my favorite thing in the whole thing was the animation part. Um, that is that is just so wild to see. You talking uh, about the phone thing? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, even like now, uh, you got companies. I'm going to use Sony again. Sony's you know releasing. Uh, uh, I think it's called Miko P, which is a consumer level mocap thing. And it's got five, you know, uh, trackers in it and one for your hip and one for each limb. Basically you do that mixed with a phone to watch your, 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 your face movement and you're, you are the 3d model. So, um, a lot of people working on this stuff now, but they really made the, uh, the, making huge strides to make that just like easier and easier, which is crazy because you would need not even that long ago, an entire warehouse size room and a ton of cameras and trackers. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just cool to see for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, th- this presentation was really crazy for me because like, um, obviously Epic's always been, uh, a dev that's created engines unreal it has been a staple forever it's not even like a new phenomenon and then like uh they make games uh not even that many of them um but fortnite's obviously huge but it's it's really crazy to see uh kind of a peek at uh the beginning of what the future of this company is going to be i feel like epic is going to be something even bigger in the future than they are now it seems like they're building the infrastructure to um kind of set the path for the future of technology uh in more than just gaming um it's it's really kind of crazy so like uh, a lot of these technologies are adding accessibility to the average person to be able to create whatever the hell they want through this um whether it be for you know video games movies um access to uh, music um to even their their storefront for selling assets uh it's 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 really kind of crazy just the amount of stuff that they are um connecting to each other uh like i said early on i could see this easily eventually at some point uh replacing hollywood uh or making a dent in it um in terms of the accessibility to be able to make whatever the hell you want um and then the potential for an actual metaverse uh i think is already in its like early stages with what they're doing with Fortnite and where that's going to go. So uh, really crazy to see. Um, yeah, graphics are looking fantastic. I went into this thinking we're just going to look at graphics, but now I'm thinking big picture, um, the future of 
of, of everything digital, but, uh, you know, at the, the minimum level, the, the graphics look great at 5.2. I was more impressed with, um, uh, the way they're able to generate, um, environments so easily. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Um, uh, with such high fidelity and high texture, everything's just fantastic looking. So easy to just like snap in, um, the creative stuff they're bringing to Fortnite is really cool too. Cause it's kind of a mid ground between hopping in and just developing stuff like this, or, uh, you're already familiar with Fortnite. Maybe you want to, uh, create stuff in there. There's already other games that allow you to create things in game. This is just harnessing the huge suite of creative potential that unreal engine already has put into, a game where the average person can just make things already met with what they do with their creative uh, version where you make your islands or whatever. Um, I think it's going to be uh, huge. Um, you know, think dreams like you were saying earlier, but um, bigger potentially and later much more serious. If people are starting to make money off this kind of shit, um, it's, it's really kind of crazy to see. Um yeah, uh, the the phone thing was insane. It used to take a lot of tech to do that. Now, and it makes sense. You just create a, a powerful enough uh, app that understands facial movements, and it can map all the stuff for you. So, as long as it understands depth and you know knows what's going on with your face, uh, there's no reason why you would need a whole setup, a whole rig to do that nowadays. Um, it's like when you go back and see how they did. Uh, that scene in the original matrix with all those cameras mm -hmm. going around nowadays, you would never do something like that to make that scene. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to, you know, go from all the things on people's faces all over the place and mocap suits to eventually, it seems like you're going to be able to put your phone on a tripod and maybe just do a performance in front of it. And it's going to be able to, you know, scan everything and know what the hell you did and then render that. It's uh, it's really crazy. And then, yeah, the, the whole idea of, all these creative tools that are all linked in Unreal Engine, so it's all just based off this engine, you're able to move things around. So when you start talking about things that sounded very close to NFTs and he didn't want to use that word um, because there's a negative connotation to it. I think he's talking beyond just, he's talking about it at a, in a more innocent sense than the the financial aspect of buy my NFTs or earn my valuable NFTs. He's just talking about there are assets that you're going to be able to move around from one thing to another, which is the concept that people are trying to sell people on. He's not, I mean, he's trying to sell business wise oh, yeah. something, but he's not trying to sell you the individual NFT. In fact, he's giving you the power to sell them if you create them yourself. Um, and so, like I've said before, in the future, there will be NFTs for sure um, that people are going to accept, but most people aren't trying to honestly uh, get people excited about them. I think, I think Epic, We'll be able to do it. Yeah. Um, I think they're already setting the groundwork for it. Um, and I think they're also going to lead the way on on metaverse type shit as well because they're doing it in an organic way. They're building towards it and not just going, oh, in the future, you're going to want to do like virtual reality stuff with your friends. The metaverse is like you're in a whole other world. And then they show you a clip of just like two shitty avatars talking. It's like that's existed forever. I can go play a uh, rec room where the fuck in VR yeah. and I'm experiencing exactly what you're trying to sell is the metaverse. So I think um, they actually have minds at uh, Epic who understand the big picture. So it's really, it, this is actually super fascinating for me to watch. I got way more out of this than I thought I was going to. So, um, so yeah, future of unreal is a uh, fucking awesome looking and um, Epic as a company, I think is going to get even bigger 
And uh, it's really weird to see that Fortnite is their, is their uh, spearhead for this. I would have never guessed that. Um, whether it was when it first came out, I'm like, hey, Fortnite, it's kind of a neat idea. Oh, they're implementing a battle royale. It's weird. And then seeing the battle royale take off, and it's like, wow. And then abandoned Paragon for it. So. And abandoned Paragon, and then it being known as the the battle royale for children. And then now it's like, it's not even that anymore. It's like this whole thing that's going to be like the name of probably their metaverse and everything that's social uh, when it comes to uh, what they do with Unreal Engine. So it's really, really kind of crazy. I could go on forever with this, but uh, yeah, really impressive stuff. I'm, I'm kind of uh, blown away by what they showed off here. So very cool. I can't wait to see some Unreal Engine 5 games. Fucking please. Uh, let's get those out. So anything else you want to say? No, I think we, we talked enough during it. Yeah. Uh, let us know in the comments. What did you guys get from this presentation? Uh, what were your impressions? What impressed you the most? What didn't impress you? Maybe, uh, what do you think about the potential of, um, these, uh, interconnected, uh, elements, uh, that they're, that they're offering, um, like meta humans interacting with unreal engine with Fortnite, with, you know, um, being able to sell assets. Does that interest you at all? Uh, do you play Fortnite? Would you suggest, uh, I check it out. I almost want to download it just to see what the hell's going on with it right now. And, uh, yeah, let me know everything you're thinking about in the comments below when it comes to, uh, Epic unreal Fortnite and the future of, uh, gaming in general all right we're gonna move over to uh reading your comments if you want your comment replied to type in hashtag stlg otherwise i read at random uh we did a tasty cast number 183 uh not that long ago where we talked about dr disrespects nfts uh robocop remnant 2 and capcom spotlight we reacted to the whole thing we talked about the re4 demo and we got a couple comments from psycho scream uh first one saying oh yes i'm done with story uh, or the story of wild hearts and have done a few pre-volatile monsters and have some keys to do the volatile monster fights very cool we should do that at some point i also have some keys probably need some more but uh, glad to hear you're doing that and then another comment from psycho scream saying no man's sky pretty much crashes damn near every chance it gets for me if i'm offline it's fine maybe some shit on my end i had no knowledge of the game till i watched chevy play f- play it for a few hours and yeah i've got my money's worth and then some well, that's a big game i believe that especially every time you've been updating us with your experience with the game i it's just more and more stuff and i'm like that's pretty crazy um so i believe that it sucks to see you're getting crashes i haven't heard that uh well no you've talked it, about it a crashes bit. yeah yeah i um, haven't experienced that that's what i yeah. meant to say but i'm sure if i play enough i will um and then speaking even from a platform standpoint you know obviously me and scream are both playing it on on ps5 um i've had two crashes like total mm. um i have watched scream crash a, a few times myself um, damn and then I've seen Chris crash multiple times. I do think the crashes are somewhat related. And I'm, this is, if I'm right, let me know if you know. But uh, I think they're related to network drops. Like if you're net, you're, if it can't keep up with the information back and forth, I think it just dies. Because even he says when he plays offline, it's fine. Hmm. And every time I've seen Chris crash. Um, there were some syncing issues happening between us for a moment. I've played games in the past though, where like I wouldn't get crashes unless I try to connect with a friend. 
Mm-hmm. And if crashes happen, it would happen then. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I think it's purely network based. Kind of narrows again, it down. The game was not originally designed for multiplayer, so I do think that is just a um, unfortunate side effect of it having multiplayer. So. Yeah, building off the foundation they built before there wasn't intended for what they're doing yeah. now. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, fortunately, it's real easy to get back in. So yeah. Yeah, well, good to hear that you're getting your money's worth with No Man's Sky, it sounds like it. And uh, we'll definitely have to play some Wild Hearts. They just in- introduced a new monster that I apparently... I play that in general. Yeah, uh, apparently the new monster is a two-element monster. It's water and fire, something like that. I'm making remember. Pokemon now, okay. Yeah. yeah, apparently. All right, well, thank you for the comment, Psycho. And moving on, we're revisiting one we already read comments from before because we got more comments on it recently. This is from two weeks ago. I did a uh, rant where I uh, was upset with Dr. Disrespect's uh, NFTs and uh, the way he's handling uh, discussing that with people who are uh, rightfully so suspicious of what he's doing. Some people trust him. Some people don't. Uh, I'll let you guys decide what you think on that. But we got a couple comments. One of them from uh, Third Eye Gemini saying, why are these pseudo celebrities always pushing an NFT scam? Laugh my ass off. Um I think a lot of these people get somebody in their ear at some point who's already trying to get NFTs rolling, uh, whether it's a scam or not. And so they sell them on the idea. They're like, look, dude, like we can make a a game. We'll use your uh, celebrity to push the game, push the NFTs. You'll make some money. It'll be really exciting for the people playing the game because it's going to offer all these crazy new ideas that have never happened in a game. They're like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I like making money. I like uh, cool ideas. I like uh, you know, adding new things to to the future of gaming, and then they try and push it, and then it backfires because as consumers, we're like, well, we don't want that. I don't, I'm not interested in that. You haven't proven that it's good yet. So, um, and you you listen to a lot of these like online um, celebrities on podcasts, and they say like they all say they've had people offer and if like ways to sell NFTs, like all these people like were floating around and just going like, hey. We're trying to sell this NFT. We'll use you to sell it. So I think that's probably what happened here. He already had this um, this dev. I don't know if they already existed and he bought them or if he assembled them. Uh, Midnight Society or whatever. But uh, I feel like somebody within that, whether they joined or talking to him now about it, are trying to push NFTs through his game because there's money to be made. Though if you look at the uh, graphs of NFT sales, they've dropped significantly. So you're going to have to create create excitement for NFTs if you really want to sell them. And uh sounds like Tim Sweeney might do it, but everyone else I am skeptical of. So I think that's why you hear a lot of these pseudo-celebrities pushing this. Anything? Tired subject? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Fair enough. Um, thank you for the comment, Third Eye Gemini. And then the last comment we got is from Steve... Schweltzer uh, that says saw him at 2017 PAX West big baby who thinks he is cool uh, about cover it when challenged for facts he attacks the person asking the question yeah yeah I uh, (laughs) such an annoying tactic yeah yeah I noticed that on Twitter I noticed that with uh, anybody who uh, you know questions him it's he's very quick to be defensive and then attack them and that's fine. Um, people can do that, but I think it does show a lot on his character. And a lot of people say he is playing a character, but you know, that's how much are you playing that character and how much am I supposed to even like that it, it character? It came from somewhere. 
Sure. I could walk around being a dickhead to people though and be like, that's my character. I'm like, people still don't gotta like it. Hey, you're still being you're a dick. And you're still affecting yeah. people negatively through that character. So that's a fucking that's a smoke screen. It's a stupid fucking defense. So I believe what you say, but people like him and I got no judgment towards those people. You like what you like, but um Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But and anyone interested in this game, good for you. Like that whatever i'm I'm interested in the game i'm just not interested in the nft part but everything i see on it does not look like a high quality game he keeps saying he's like gonna revolutionize triple a games i see it i'm like that looks he's got to sell his investment that yeah 100 (laughs) that's that's when people are like well you gotta trust him with the nfts i'm like i barely trust him with the game he keeps saying it's triple a i know he's gotta say that but fucking you look at it and anyone who has eyes can fucking tell that this is like pretty much just an indie game i'm gonna trust no one with nothing True. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you for the comment, Steve uh, Schweltzer. And thank you, everybody who commented. Uh, again, if you want your comment read for sure, type in hashtag STLG. It makes it easier for me to find your comments and read them and reply to them. Um, otherwise, I read it random. But that's going to do it for this episode of TasteCast. is a long one, but we had a lot to talk about and a lot to watch. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Make sure to comment below everything you're thinking about. Join the conversation. And yeah, thank you for watching, everybody. Thank you for joining me, Chevy. I've been Seth. This is Chevy. And uh, we'll roll the outro. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of TasteCast 184. As always, thank you for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to check out our other episodes. Check us out on our socials and streams. Link down below. Check us out on our Discord. Link down below. You can talk to us anytime, all the time. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms if you prefer to listen to us in audio form. And we have a Patreon if you'd like to support this channel more than liking, commenting, sharing, and subscribing if you're brand new. I also have a TikTok you can check out down below if you'd like to see my shorts since I can't upload them to YouTube. And like this video, uh, and I'd really appreciate it. Comment. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, yeah, until the next episode, have a good one, guys, and take it easy.